Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 goodbye, 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 and hi, hi, hi. Welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Of course, I am your host, Sam Wiles, and remember, this is wide screen podcasting. This is wide screen podcasting. Thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Now, I know this was supposed to be the Get Back Companion Coffee Table Book Review episode thingy-ma-bob, but... But this is before I slightly burnt myself out with a lot of Get Back content, and before I was gifted with a podcast for free. How did I come across that, I hear you ask? Well, you might say I have certain connections and powerful friends. Okay, in all seriousness, rather fortunately, I was kindly asked to be a part of a roundtable discussion with the very best and brightest in the Beatles podcasting world, the true darlings of the medium, if you will. And the topic, as you likely have guessed, or have read in the title by this point, was concerning our thoughts on Peter Jackson's The Beatles' Get Back. Yes, I know I've literally done three episodes on this in near enough as many days, but there was a lot that was addressed in this episode that I didn't cover in the previous ones. And regardless, this was a fantastic conversation either way, we had a lot of laughs, and even made some interesting observations along the way. Though, I will say that, unlike the last three episodes, there will indeed be spoilers for Jackson's Disney Plus docuseries here, so if you haven't seen it yet, you better set yourself aside eight hours and get cracking. Where have you been? In this episode, you will get to hear a real who's who of the Beatles podcasting world. It was originally hosted by the Blotto Beatles, it's been on their feed already, of whom I've been on their show and they've been on here. There's also Jonathan and Julia from Ranking the Beatles. Again, we've guested on each other's shows. There's Alison and Erica from BC the Beatles, of whom I've been meaning to collaborate with for far too long. And there's also some guy called Ethan Alexanian. I'd never heard of him either. Anyway, I know that this sounds like a lot of people, but I was genuinely surprised by how organised and polite the whole thing was. In other words... A splendid time is guaranteed for all. However, before we get to any of that, we must get back to the matter of the... Housekeeping! So, what do we have in terms of news for this week? Well, for those of you, like I say, living under a rock and roll, we've seen the release of the Titanic docuseries, a.k.a. Peter Jackson's The Beatles Get Back on Disney+. Plus. Though, the real Peter Jackson news out there is the fact that he has graced two podcasts in our little circle he has appeared on both the things we said today podcast and something about the beatles something of which i am so glad for each host and something i am terribly jealous of especially since our thing on both he mentioned that he listened to their shows i wonder if he listened to them before he started researching get back or after that would be very interesting to find out but the real takeaway especially from the Things We Said Today episode, was that the rumour of the The Beatles Get Back Blu-ray release has somewhat been confirmed. And further rumours now speculate that it will contain a total of 12 hours of footage, 
though this has been yet to be confirmed by Apple or Disney themselves. Also doing the rounds in the media recently is the story that Jackson was asked by Disney to remove all semblance of swearing from the Beatles' Get Back. Thankfully, the trio of Paul McCartney, Ringus, and George Harrison's late wife, Olivia, intervened on behalf of Jackson and prevented Disney from censoring the series and censoring real life. Good for them. And in a bit of non-get-back-related news, Paul McCartney, the lyrics, the book we reviewed a short while ago, has won the Waterstones Book of the Year Award here in the UK. Basically, Waterstones is our largest retail chain here, and they've decided to give our boy Macca a shout-out with this award. They said, From the moment booksellers heard about the imminent publication of the lyrics, we all recognised its enormous significance as a key piece of cultural history. When the stunningly designed two-volume slipcase edition arrived in shops, we realised it was even more special than that. Paul McCartney has stated that it is highly unlikely he will ever write a conventional autobiography. This, then, stands as the defining literary statement of Britain's most influential living songwriter. From yesterday to Hey Jude to Live and Let Die and Beyond, the lyrics, crafted in collaboration with celebrated poet Paul Muldoon, abounds in evocative, never-before-seen images from McCartney's personal archive alongside fascinating commentary on 154 career-spanning songs that have soundtracked all of our lives. The lyrics is undoubtedly, in the words of Waterstone CEO James Daunt, a true joy for bibliophiles. Well, for me, as a non-bibliophile, if anything a bibliophobe, it was also a true joy. Also, Paul responded with a little message of his own. He said, What an amazing honour. Thanks, Waterstones, for this prestigious accolade. I'm really happy at the reaction to the lyrics and to be chosen by the book-selling experts themselves, for this is truly overwhelming. All those involved in putting the book together worked really hard, and it's a great way for all of us to celebrate. Bookshops rule. Cheers, Waterstones. Right, now that the news is out of the way, let's get on with the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of this roundtable discussion. Did I hold my own? Did I get owned? I'd love to hear your thoughts. For more day-to-day updates and instant messaging opportunities, follow me on the Twitter, which is at McCartneyPod, for bonus written Paul-or-nothing content, and to keep up with the episodes on another live feed, check out the Paul McCartney Podcast blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. That's paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, simply by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube is the only place you can find new episodes of Macca in your attic. You probably know what it is by now. Check out my latest episode with Lonnie Pena from the When They Was Fab podcast. Of course, if you want to help out the show right away in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please consider leaving us a five-star review or a thumbs up or something like that. Maybe even a nice little comment oh i shouldn't say five stars i got in trouble the last time i asked you to give me five stars leave me a undetermined starred review shall we say but yeah it always helps boost us in the algorithms gives us that exposure yada 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 thank you very much and if you want to help out directly if you want to help see the show grow help me afford product to review help keep the lights running or maybe even you just want to throw a few dollars at my face down the internet every month then please consider joining our patreon family Patreon, as I'm sure you know by now, is a platform by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself. Though, 
it's not just for nothing. You do get your money's worth. You get two-day early access to all episodes of Paul or Nothing. You get seven-day early access to all episodes of Macca in your attic. And you also get access to the Paul or Nothing uh, video feed, which is uploaded immediately. So anything I record on Zoom instantly goes up on the Patreon, sometimes weeks, sometimes months before episodes come out. You get access to lost episodes, bonus episodes, and even all the scripts I use for the show. You know it, you love it, you probably don't love me talking about it all the time, but hey, that is the hustle. And before we continue, I cannot go any further without giving a massive shout out to my wonderful Patreon family, including Mr. D. Dubs, Andy Cochran, Guy Jenkinson, Nancy Twoey, Richard Campbell, Christopher Newman, Mrs. P, Broderick Harper, Moji Ryber, Robert Shuley, Chris Atkinson, Richard Biddington, Mr. B, Teresa Breda, Stephanie Miller, Lou DeLonardo, Cheryl McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia L, Warren Butson, and Matt Phillips. Whew. Anyway, folks, now that all of that business has been attended to, it's time for me to pass the reins over to the fabulous Blotto Beatles. One, two, three, take it away, fellas. Hey everybody, welcome uh, to an exciting time in, in the world of Beatles podcasting. Uh, this is Tommy from Blotto Beatles, and I'm, I'm here with the rest of the Blottos here. We are hosting kind of a roundtable discussion this evening. Um, we come at you recording this on Sunday, November 28th. I just had to check my calendar on my computer for that actual date. Uh, and we've all just finished watching the uh, nearly nine-hour Peter Jackson Get Back documentary. Uh, we threw out a line to some of our good pod pals here in the, uh, the the Beatleverse and said, why don't we all get together on this Sunday? We've had a few days to watch this thing and uh, get together and, and share our initial thoughts, reactions, um, and, and whatever else we want to say about this thing. So um, I don't want to belabor that point too much because it is a work evening and we want to get right down to it. So without further ado, I will introduce you first uh, to the other two blottos on the call with me, Becker and Scotty. How are you guys this evening? Hey, what's happening, man? Pumped to be here. It's it, it's it's get back time. I got the fever. I got it hard. How how are you guys feeling? I'm good. I'm good. I uh I didn't watch it as quickly as you guys did. You were like a little bit ahead of me, but I was. I mean, I was keeping pace. I watched one in the evening, but you guys were watching yeah. it during the day. Yeah, early mornings. Yeah. Well, we're serious about this job. <laughs> we, and I woke up one you... morning. I woke up one morning and looked at my phone. It was five forty in the morning. And Scotty C had texted, just finished episode two. I was like, how is that even possible? I think he was trying to beat uh, Sam Wilde at his own game there with the, uh, the time difference here. He just saw how hard Glenn Johns was working out there in his fur coats. And he was like, I got to get after this thing right now, you know? Um, just uh, before we introduce everyone else, you know, one sentence, two sentences. What are you guys feeling having walked away from this thing? Any any initial reactions? I loved it. I was a little slow to like sort of get super excited about it. I got excited sort of uh, with the Let It Be box coming out and, and diving into that. Uh, surpassed all of my expectations. Favorite moment. And this footage is pretty, It's it, it didn't just come out, but I thought it looked really good. I love... Yeah. George Harrison walking into um, Apple for the first time. He's like sort of skipping up the stairs. He's just gotten out of his that car. Hat. He's got an awesome hat. He's like my, he was like, that scene alone was like my fashion icon for like my 20s. I, I never attained it whatsoever. But like that look <laughs> of George was like, that's what I want to look like. Yeah. You guys never let me get away with wearing a hat. I wear like a slightly different hat and everyone's like, Becker's wearing a hat this weekend. What's up with Becker's hat? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? 
I got to say this. I, you know, my, my initial question that, uh, you know, there's some recency bias here. I definitely loved this thing. Um, is this a more definitive statement on who the Beatles are than the anthology? Yes. Is the, the question I'm left asking. And I think because it's so focused in a singular time period and we get so much of that, something I want to talk more about. Um, but, you know, that, that's how much I loved it, that that question is, is coming up in, in my head right now. Um, Scotty, what about you? Any initial feelings? Yeah, I, I definitely loved it. I never seen the Let It Be original one or watched a lot mm-hmm. of Beatles stuff. I listened to their music. So it was it was awesome to see in the, you know, recording, uh, writing, collaborating, setting, get to know them a little more as a band, not just instrument-wise, but as humans interacting and figuring stuff out. I I I, I loved it. I've watched every second of it and I'm hanging on. I wrote down a yeah, lot of jumping off points, which I hope will just drive this conversation. For instance, I wrote, Paul has never seen The Wizard of Oz? Question mark. Oh, good one, right? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I, I have a whole section I want to do on um, best dressed Beetle that I would, I would definitely like to talk about. And I, I have some... Some ideas for uh, nominations, you know, for each of them that we, we can consider, but I'd like to hear everyone else's too. Well, ju- but, but before we talk about what we're going to talk about, I think we should get the rest of these people on the line, Absolutely. don't you guys? Yes, let's get to it. So we're going to go uh, first with the person who signed on first. We're very, very pleased to welcome the only person, uh, every person here tonight has been on an episode of Blotto Beatles at one time or another, and this is the only person to be on the only lost episode of Blotto <laughs> Beatles. Uh, he runs his own podcast. He does an amazing job uh, out of Canada. It's Ethan Alexanian from the Fans on the Run podcast. Welcome, Ethan. Okay. Excellent. I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, Ethan, uh, you watched the Get Back documentary this weekend? I, I've, I've watched some of it. Uh, okay. Could, could you, does, does George join the Beatles again? I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> oh, you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> no, I, I, I've watched it all. I've enjoyed it all. I laughed. I cried. I, you know. When did you cry? Um, I actually <laughs> cried. Uh during uh, not full on cry, but a little misty eyed at the end mm. of the rooftop stuff. Yeah, just like wow, wow. I felt myself welling up a little when Paul looked at the camera and said, "And then there were two. That moment, oh, I thought that was like a very gut moving. Punch. Yeah, yeah. But um, Ethan, uh, anything else you want to say, or do you want to introduce the next person on the call here? Um, because you actually demanded to introduce this person. Yeah, it, we started recording. It, it was part of my rider. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will not appear on this show unless I get to bully this person. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be complimentary. Okay, well, go for <laughs> it. Let's see what we get. Yeah, pods, uh, pods, lifting pods is what I'm all about. Yeah, let's lift each other up. I, I actually, uh, after I demanded to introduce him, I. I failed to actually come up with anything to say. So, <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? It's Sam Wiles from that show. It's called Paul or Nothing, and you know it's called Paul or Nothing. No, either. Paul. Uh, <laughs> <Sam>. <laughs> Jeez, what a chatterbox this one. 
Alex didn't just say okay. Um, hey everyone, this is Sam from Paul or Nothing. How are we all doing this evening? Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for coming. Oh yeah. Thank you for coming, Sam. It's also very, very late where you are. No, well, so at least I haven't fallen asleep. Very this kind time, of you. you know? it's, uh, ah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> There's still time. Uh, <laughs> that is very true. I only fall asleep during charity events. We all know this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, like you know, Paul would be getting up there during live aid, and I'd just be like. <clears throat> <laughs> whoa, whoa, oh, I missed him. Oh, I was down, down. No, uh, yeah, get back. Uh, my whole last, my last three days has been consumed with this movie, both watching it, writing notes, putting out podcasts about it. So I'm, I'm glad I get to come so you've here. Seen it a little bit, yeah. I've, I've, I dabbled, okay. I dabbled here and there. Um, wake up, get out of bed, watch, get back. That was literally my uh, schedule for the last three days. Stop. And you clearly have not dragged a comb anywhere near that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could have gone upstairs and had a smoke and, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, get back. Uh, It's definitely Peter Jackson's second best trilogy. We'll definitely say that. Um, Certainly better than The Hobbit threesome, but we're not going to get into that here. Um, I I came at it as a Peter Jackson You're putting this behind Lord of the Rings? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. There is is no, like, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we know what we were discussing off 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 mic here earlier so yeah i'll take that on the on the chin um yeah uh i i came at this as a peter jackson filmmaking fan first and foremost rather than just just purely a beatles project and it is regardless of what you think about the beatles it's a masterful documentary it is a, a really interesting experiment in editing that was a total success and then just that the, the, there are several moments throughout, wh- wh- whether it's him cutting back to the Rishikesh home movie footage or using yeah, uh, cool. split screen camera angles for the rooftop sequence. It, it is just genius filmmaking, but it's also full of some of the best music ever. Some of, uh, you know, the most heartwarming feel good moments I've seen in a documentary for a while. And a lot of that's because Jackson puts you in the mindset of the Beatles. Like, you do go, oh, shit, George has left. You go, yay, he's back. You feel good when they go to Abbey Road. Or, like, oh, wow, these songs actually work now that Billy Preston's here. Like, he really puts you in the mindset of these four guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just masterful filmmaking. I really, I, what I really was, enjoyed uh, it. What was your moment, like, the that you pull it out to say, like, this is... I was so happy to see this piece. You know, oh, maybe not the most important section, but, like, just, like... I'm so happy that this happened. Or uh, when Ringus admitted that he farted, that was that was. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, I farted. <laughs> that part is unreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, part that made me quiet, cry. Uh, if we're going to do that as well, um, when John was singing "Don't Let Me Down" on the rooftop, I don't know why I was crying, but I just was. And when Paul's playing with Heather at the start of part three, I was, I was like, yeah. oh, I've got a beardy dad playing with his kid. I can't handle this. I can't handle this. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Why don't you why f- don't you cry when you do Blotto Beatles? That's a we're a bunch of beardy dads. So, no, I mean, <laughs> is that not enough for you, Sam? <laughs> it's more. He's crying for different more, reasons <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it's more like drunk crying, like, oh, what was I with my life? Where's it? Oh, I love God, you guys. Was, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Glynis. Um, well, I want to keep chatting about all of this stuff, but oh, can I, can I just throw Marvel? something out there? Because I didn't say my favorite part. Oh yeah, okay. The the tasteful uh, masturbation joke that John Lennon made <laughs> about the about, about the Boy, Boy Scouts? Scouts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it was almost you know, like lost a little bit blind. on me. 
Yeah. He says, let yeah. them wear long pants or something. Tr- yeah. It's like a very proper, because in like, shorts, it's like a very it's proper, too tempting like, in shorts. British I, I was a Boy Scout. And there was the no U.S. would be much more. Uh, there was no. <laughs> of course you were a Boy Scout, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that Sam, means. <laughs> Sam, would you like to introduce? Uh, we have two boxes left here on our call. Would you like to introduce one of them? I will introduce the only person who I've not done a podcast with here so so far. Um, I've been a fan of her show for a while. Um, their episode uh, talking about LGBT topics with the Beatles is literally one of my favorite Beatle podcast episodes ever. Uh, let me introduce Alison from BC the Beatles. Hi guys. Hi, Welcome. Very Who's flying solo? Here. Who potentially will will have yes. her partner with us in a while? But yeah. we uh, need to figure it out, out, Sam. Because yeah, it's it's we've been going around in circles for a long time. It's you know, it's kind of on us, but we'll figure it out to to record together. Rock on! And uh, before I start, Erica, my co-host, will be joining us in a little bit. I think she's uh, excellent. Yeah. She's planning on coming in. So thanks for having me. This is exciting. Thank you for coming. As I hear you guys talking about it, I'm like, oh, that moment, that moment, that moment, that moment. Just so many. Yeah. So much to talk about. It's like a brain dump, you know. You have, I think, maybe the most exciting reveal story because I saw from Instagram that you went to the L.A. premiere. I did. Yeah, I did go to the L.A. premiere. What was that all about? It was fun. It was really crazy fun. Um to see, I mean, uh, Peter Jackson sort of put together a 90-minute teaser, I guess you could say. Just hi- like a highlight reel. And he also was like in it to give uh, like a description of how he made the film and, and um, you know, brought it up to, you know, the standards that he did with such, you know, really shitty footage. Um, and we got to see the entire rooftop concert, you know, on the big screen, which was... I mean, insane. I kept saying to people afterwards, I'm like, my face hurts from smiling so much. Because I was just like, the whole time I was like, ah, I can't believe this. Uh, And they gave us free popcorn. So, yeah, it was a good night. (laughs) 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 Um, Who was was hanging out at at that premiere? Uh, uh, Sean Lennon and uh, Sean and Julian. And, uh, uh, yeah, Stella McCartney was there, along with Jeff Jones from Apple. Um, I spotted Peter Asher. Uh, who was wearing a very orange coat, uh, which would have matched his hair perfectly in the 60s. Um, who else was there? There were, you know, just some L.A. folks there I think, as well. Um, Fernando Podomo, the guy who did yeah, the, Fernando uh, was there. I the saw Ram him. album. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, I'm a little yeah. offended you didn't mention the most important person. Andrew Sandoval was there. Who was my, my date for the evening. <laughs> yeah. Uh mm-hmm. He was, yeah, my plus one. So, I mean, obviously very important person uh, in the monkey's world. I think he's been a guest on another podcast uh, on this call. Um, that is correct. Yeah. And two, you know, just uh, a smattering of people. But I did get to just briefly chat with Sean after the screening. Um, I, it's a long story, but I sort of like almost worked for him in New York once when I lived there. So it was good to reconnect. And I just sort of, you know, congratulated him on the premiere and, he introduced me to his girlfriend who they've been together forever. I've never met her. So that was nice. It was just, it was really, um, there weren't that many people there. So it was a really nice intimate kind of thing. Felt very safe with like the COVID stuff. We all had to sign seats and, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. 
has uh, yeah. I mean I assume that that Sean had had seen it before now or um I I, I assume so but he, he was just yeah, like yeah you, I got you really teary <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm like me too we all yeah especially seeing it like you know right in front of you like that I was just like yeah I mean a lot of it was like tear jerking for me for sure especially the moment I think as you guys are talking about the moment that made you cry like the moment that just makes me euphoric and also teary is when um, Yoko's divorce comes through and you can just yeah. see the joy yeah. on Johnny's faces, you know, and they, yeah. they kiss each other. It was, I just love that moment so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, markedly, you've seen it, you know, it was supposed to be a theatrical presentation, right? There was going to be a, a, a cut, are you much happier having seen this theatrical presentation that you got and then realizing that we got, you know, six plus hours or so of it? Yeah. Or how many hours it was? Longer you know, I feel that? super hashtag blessed, you know, <laughs> like I need to go to Hobby Lobby and buy a freaking like blessed sign to put it in my home because this home is blessed. <laughs> I can send you a couple of mine. Of okay, live, laugh, and love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Laugh, love. Well, I've already got like seven of those. You can't see them they're off camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because... Yeah, like, I mean, there's nothing like it. I really hope that once, you know, things get a little bit better uh, around the world, like, they'll put some sort of cut in a theater, because it was it was yeah. astounding um, to get to see it like that. But, you know, honestly, like, I was just excited. I was just as excited to watch it on my, my TV here. So, you know, but it was cool. It was very, very cool. So, Allison, um, we have one more set of people on this call. One more, one more box. Do you mind tossing it over to them for final introduction? Absolutely. Well, these are uh, two people that we've also been trying to uh, get on their podcast for a while. No, not you know, uh, no, no, nothing saying of them trying because it's all been us. So, Sam, you're not alone. Uh, <laughs> we <laughs> owe a couple of different people podcasts, but uh, love to welcome the. Awesome and talented Jonathan and Julia from Ranking the Beatles. Hey, yes. how are you guys? Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Hari Krishna. <laughs> yes. yes, first night, first yes, night happy of Hanukkah. Simply having a wonderful Krishna time. <laughs> no more autographs. Happy Thanksgiving for 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 some of us. Mm-hmm. Totally, you guys as well. So Jonathan and Julia, wonderful to see you again. And what are your, you know, what did you leave? What are the takeaways that, that you have or the, the moment that sticks out for you? My gosh. Um, well, it's been a funny few days because, um, you know, we started it uh, Thursday evening after Thanksgiving meals and all that. We did that. And then Friday, um, I had work Friday and then I had a show Friday night. So we were able to watch like maybe 45 minutes of the second episode on Friday. Then Saturday morning, we had a bunch of stuff to do. And I think we caught like an hour here and like 30 minutes here. Like anytime there was like a free window, it was like, all right, get back. Then I got to go shower and then we're going to have dinner. And then we got another 20 minutes we can watch some and then we'll come back and do it again. Uh, and then today we like watched like the last two two thirds of episode three um my god just how how good was it like i'm i'm blown away on so many levels that i don't think i've fully processed it yet and as soon as it was done i wanted to go back and start again like yeah, yeah. I, I was just ready like give me the whole eight hours um 
give me everything now. Like, why not just I want fucking give me the hours, whole, PJ, everything. Exactly. Why not? You know, yeah. outside of the fact that it took him like four years to correct, uh, <laughs> color correct this footage. <laughs> like, I don't know how long it takes to do everything. But. We were watching an interview that Peter Jackson did before we got on here where he was saying at one point it was an 18 hour cut. And I'm like, give me it. Give me all 18. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's how I feel now. Give it all. I want it all. Um, and I think it's the first time I feel like we've gotten a Beatle product or even just like an, a thorough documentary on, or project on a band where I haven't been like, oh, man, I wish they would have included blah, blah, blah. Or I wish they would have gone more into this. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I was given more than I want, more than I knew I wanted. Yeah. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. you gave me everything I wanted and more. And I want the rest of it because it was so good. Like, I don't doubt that you gave me the cream of the crop and I love it. But like. Oh my god! I want. I just want more. Like, and I'm surprised that you got through it as, as easily as you did because obviously, like, you're not the hardcore through it. fan that I am. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. What's uh? Yeah. What's Julia's take? <laughs> yeah, what was your take? Uh, you know, as being not as big a fan as everyone else on this call, um, I sort of knew the basic story of like it was a very challenging time. And by all accounts, it was a miserable time in the studio and everything was terrible and they were grumpy and fighting, blah, 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 blah. And watching it, I'm like, this is just wonderfully normal. Like they Mm -hmm. look like four guys in a band, like being married to a musician and actually being spending, having been in a studio studio with my husband, because I'm also a photographer. So he will usually have me come with them and like, just kind of be a fly on the wall and take photos. Um, so just sort of like observing, observing that in my life, I'm like, this is the same thing. They, they sort of bicker, they goof off, they make fart jokes. They, I mean, it's just, it it was so wonderfully normal. And I'm like, why has everyone always made this out to be such a stressful, um, miserable time when, I mean, of course, you know, there was sort of George, obvious tension, yeah, obvious tension, but like they're human and like they're sort of emerging into the next stages of their lives. And that's a thing that kind of happens sometimes. Like it just, I don't know. It didn't strike me as awkward as I expected it to be. I think the, the which beetle do you think is most like Jonathan in the studio? Um, Oh, Ooh. well, because you're usually sort of the, the leader directive. I give direction. Um, Sometimes probably more than I should. All right. You sound like Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like you're the one mostly with sort of that like vision that Paul has. And like, you're not like mean about it. And you always let people try. Like if you're like, this I don't is bring up I- sore spots from previous recording arguments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, you remind me a lot of Paul. Like you have this vision of what you want it to sound like, and you're completely open to other ideas. But you know where you're starting from. Sure, sure. Yeah. I watched. You're talking about watching it together. I watched it with my 92 year old grandfather, and every five minutes he said, uh, "Which one is John Lennon?" <laughs> 
legitimately every five minutes. And then he went to bed at ten, and I still had like another hour and a half. Washed his hair in a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like a You'd have to be a little bit the same more specific clothes. than that. Yeah, I eventually. Yeah, I eventually was just like, they're all John Lennon puppet. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even worry. Just keep changing the answer every time. <laughs> I think my biggest takeaway was, and one of the things I truly loved about the film was it's one of the first times I think it really humanizes the four of them and shows yeah. them as actual human beings and not these like larger than yeah. life gods of you know creative perfection. Um, they all come off as very normal, flawed human yeah. beings. Like it starts like the, the first week of Twiggin'em, Ringo's got this giant zit on his chin. <laughs> <laughs> and like you didn't see it before, but thanks to Peter Jackson, there it is. Yeah. Uh, well, Peter Jackson couldn't even clean that shit up for him. Like, yeah. <laughs> not, Peter Jackson refines four years of <clears throat> spends four years refining footage and can't clear up some blemishes for him. Everybody's right? acne yeah. made me feel They did more for Neil Young during the last waltz, <laughs> you know? Like. Right. I think um favorite uh favorite scene, favorite part, um the one that's really stuck with me, and it goes back to the humanizing thing, is that it's the end of uh, part one where George has left and um, John and Paula Ringo kind of like close in circle, the three of them, yeah. and have their kind of arms at each other's hips. And you can tell that they're talking about something really heavy. Um, and it was just kind of a really emotional moment of like, you know, Paul often talks about going through the 70s and into the 80s, having like real issues with like, trying to like come to t- come to grips with what was the reality of he and John's relationship. Were they really as close as he thought they were? And my God, like if that's not three brothers, like who uh-huh. genuinely love and care about each other, like taking care of each other in a moment of real trouble. I don't know what it is. Like that was something that, that made me tear up a lot. And God, I, I cried a handful of times. <laughs> rooftop for sure. Multiple. I mean, there are times where you look, you looked over, and I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut an argument. Uh, I think is, what you're is Tommy what? right? I mean, from the upfront, I like your sentiment because I was thinking about it today. Like, um, we're all of a certain age, I think, except for Ethan. Sorry, bud. But and then Sam, and then you're some of us. I don't know. I we all get progressively older. Maybe maybe I'm the oldest. I don't know. But um, is. Um, is this like the most important Beatles thing like in, in our life? Like, is this a bigger deal than anthology? Because I, I felt it was only because it was peeking behind the curtain, right? Anthology is telling us nerds a little bit sort of like what we already knew in a way, you know, like, is this, is this the best thing that we could get and that we're going to get? I think anthology was bigger for one simple reason. There were no talking head interviews in Get Back where Paul was on a boat or <laughs> in by that a campfire. Bo- poking a fire <laughs> yeah. in a nice cable knit yeah, sweater. That, yeah, that would have made all the difference. And But if know. Paul did anthology now, I think he would know not to do that. I really do. I think that he is uh, a different person even from when anthology came out, you know. Yeah, but the fact but that, uh, I don't know anything about Paul. We actually have an expert on the line. Well, I mean, yeah, me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Paul never do interviews from inside the, uh, the dome. The dome is still there. I want to see him do all of his interviews as the platform just rises and descends <laughs> in his little geodesic dome in his backyard. Was everyone happy that we didn't get talking heads and narration and that it was, it, yeah, it was just yes. the original fly on the wall? For uh, sure, yeah. Well, I, well actually, yeah. take, take that to, to the next level, actually. Let's, let's lay our cards on the table. 
Has this totally superseded the Michael Lindsay Hogg movie? And is the Michael Lindsay Hogg movie yes. just going to be a Blu-ray bonus feature from now on? I think it. I think this makes Michael Lindsay Hogg look An like asshole. kind of a phony <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, so not only in the, that first episode do we get him being like, well, what if we just do it at a children's hospital? But not with really sick kids. Just like a couple yeah. kids with broken legs. <laughs> that's, that's, right? Like, and that's then awful. how many times does he say, uh, you know, torchlight uh, with like 2,000 Arabs, you know? And you're like, yeah. oh, uh, I, uh, you have a vision. Like, this isn't just a doc. You're steering something in a way. And, uh, like, but I would, I would like to... Call- Pause everything. Yeah. Do we get to the introduction? Yes. yes. All right. So, <laughs> friends, please welcome to the podcast one of the few podcasters we have not yet met in real life, but have only heard get really hammered on Blotto Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> the co-host of BC the Beatles, Erica White. Hey, hey guys. How are you? Thank Hi. you for thank you for making. Oh my it. god, this is amazing. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my god. Uh, I know that your Talking night was about. In Let demand. it be in my head. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I was invited to Hanukkah and a first night party, and I, it said yeah. it in the twenty eighth, and I didn't think Hanukkah would be in November. And then he was like, <laughs> "So you're coming, right?" And like, "Yeah, okay." But I cut it off so I could be with you guys because talking you. about Let It Be was a thing I wanted to do more than anything else this week <laughs> after what we've been through over the last three days. So we just wrapped up right. first impressions real quick, but give us uh, give us yours. Did you devour it? Daily, I watched. I watched part one on the first day, part two on the second day, and then yesterday I watched part one and two again. <laughs> and then t- okay. wow, today, I think you beat today, everyone on this call. I, I, yeah. Today I watched part three. I didn't want it to end, and I kind of wanted to because I was like I was watching with my dad and my family, and so I just kind of wanted to see it again and mm-hmm. kind of feel the lead up to part three and having kind of been in the same space because. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of me being super nerdy about it, but I needed to see it again. Plus, I didn't have the captions on the first time, so I missed a lot of George's, like, total snark and beautiful, beautiful sarcasm. So, yeah, it was worth it seeing again. What was so, your... Erica, um, one thing uh, everyone's kind of done in this initial thing is say, like, either a, a scene that they took away that they're saying, like, this this was it for me or um, or an overall impression. Or we've also fallen upon several, uh, this was the thing that made me cry in the uh, oh, watching of it. God, there's so many. I mean, the, the moment when... Paul started calling someone a fuckface. That <laughs> dance yeah. out to me. Like, <laughs> I love it so much. We're bloody stars. So <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, more seriously, the moment, you know, the moment that really gets me more than anything, and I think this is kind of one of those things where your own, like, personal Beatles bleed into your your world, is when they were, it was it was part three, and when they were rehearsing Long and Winding Road together. But it was the point of Long and Winding Road. It's the version that we have on on the album. And there's something about seeing those exact recordings happening in real time, which oh. really like yeah, got yes. me and gave That's me true. total Absolutely. chills. Like it, it freaked me out. I kind of just stop and like, wow, okay. And then watch it again. Um, yeah. I thought that was incredible. I'm sure Heather, uh, Heather Eastman has already been mentioned. Linda's little daughter and the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so cute. Um, oh my God. There's so many things, you know, when she's doing like her Yoko part too, that's, that's oh. pretty awesome. You know, and that's another thing, the humor that they brought to this and the humanity that they brought to this, and especially 
with regards to Yoko, that she she was seen in a totally different light. And it was it was really nice to see more of a personality between her, less of her and John just being very stern and silent and over it all. They were really kind of into it and participating mm-hmm. in the joy, which was really nice. Um, another thing that wasn't so great was like, I was really hoping like the Alan Klein scene when they were talking about Alan Klein, like it totally felt like a horror movie when I was just like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Don't open that door. So upsetting. <laughs> also, Paul McCartney is some kind of like genius freak from another dimension, but I don't know yeah. if I, I thought that before this, but it just, you know, yeah, reestablish this, that. I think that this, this gave me a different perspective on Paul for sure. Like I, I, whatever. I love Paul. I give Paul some grief, but I love Paul. But in this, I, I, I think I got another, another, another level of something for, for Paul. <laughs> I, I think he comes off a lot more empathetic than history has painted him out to be at this time, because, you know, all he's trying to do is just hold the thing together as best he can mm-hmm. through like some just kind of like what should have just been a rough patch. Um, and I think he's doing the best he can because no one else seems to want to step up to the plate and otherwise they're just like a ship without a rudder. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that the footage of him coming up with get back on the spot. Oh my God. Something that should be put what? in the Smithsonian. And George is yawning. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could look, could like, the boys look more bored? I don't know if like Webster's has like an online dictionary where like there is video accompaniment to definition, but like next to genius or creativity, mm. that footage should be there. Cause that's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. The way he picks out the melody line and like it's something different, and then he he starts discarding certain notes and p- pieces of the phrase to get to it, like to what it really is. It's, it's really like it's- watching, you know, what I imagine the like uh, a, a time lapse version of uh, a sculptor chiseling away at a piece of rock and discarding all the external parts that you don't need, and then ending up with an amazing sculpture. It was absolutely incredible. It's another one of those crazy Beatles moments where if somebody had written into a screenplay, you're like, nah, you need to edit that. That's not realistic. Nothing would ever happen like that so perfectly. No human can do that. (laughs) I also thought it was cool to see him a little bit more vulnerable. Like, you know, when they're talking about, like, are we going to go on the roof tomorrow? Is this going to happen? Like, like, what do we do if we don't? Like, and he was the one who's like, I need to be convinced because I can't get it in my head that we're actually going to do this. Actually, can I change my... My best moment of the documentary. Of course, yeah. Ben. It's it's the moment where the idea is suggested to Paul oh. that they go on oh, the yeah. roof. Yeah. That, that, I that love is, that. Yeah. P- Peter Jackson does a great job. With yeah. Like, that is a cool like. Uh, you can see cool the light touch. bulb going off in Paul's head. Like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, but, but then he's like afraid of it, like you just said, Alex. Yeah, like, but he, he's a yeah. little bit like, should I do this? Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, that's the genius look of, of terror and also excitement and also trepidation and all those things in Paul's face you can see there. Um, also, I, you know, I tend to think any time after Brian's death and, you know, that's a whole other topic uh, that comes out in various ways in this documentary. But um you know, I tend to think after that, Paul sort of saw it as his chance to sort of 
take over as, you know, the, the true leader of the group. So there was a moment where he and John were arguing. I think it might have been the secret microphone in the flower pot. I think thing. it was the flower yeah. pot conversation. Yeah, where, That's such a pivotal part of the whole yeah, thing. Where, like, my, you know, know uh, Paul says to John, you know, you've always been the leader. And and, uh, John's like, I'm not the leader. You're the leader. And Paul's like, I'm not the leader. And I was like, whoa, this like rocks my world. Because I've like, that's been one of my total, like, I I die on that hill all the time where it's like, no, Paul doesn't want to take over. You know, Paul saw this as his moment. But you see a lot to sort of balance that in this documentary in a really human way. I think that I want to stop on that conversation for a minute, too, because I think what's really enlightening there is how much John comes to George's defense in that conversation and is like, listen, I understand how he feels because you've done this to me, too. Like, and that's right after Paul was like, you've always been the leader. You're the leader. But he's like, I've tried to throw songs out there and you rearrange them to a part that I didn't want them to be or whatever. And like. You should know that. And it's hard to tell if Paul's kind of just yesing him at that moment. Or he's like, yeah, no, I do understand what you're saying. Oh, no. You, you, but you even can, John, a little yeah. bit, I think in that, maybe I'm misremembering. Sorry, Sam, I'll go right back. Um, even John's like, we've done this to George a little bit. I think, I yeah. feel like he's mm-hmm. kind of saying, we've done this to George. Of course he's yeah, going to actually right. feel this way, you know. Sorry, Sam, go ahead. You were there talking. There is a, a very clear point. This might just be me projecting a little bit, but you can tell that, like, you know, John's bearing his soul, like, I'm just trying to survive here, Paul. And then, like, you know, and then you can just tell that Paul's kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just not going in. Like, he's just kind of going, yeah, 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 John, yeah, yeah. But he's really not absorbing what John's saying, I guess. And I, I think that that's just classic kind of... Paul avoiding the emotional core of an argument moment, uh, and uh, I, I felt I found it, I found it to be quite awkward. Actually, I felt I felt like John was think, really pushing it, and it didn't reciprocate. I guess. Well, I felt like they were both kind of talking over each other, like not yeah. past each other and what they were saying. Like there was a lot of yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, I see. Yeah, you're right. But John was saying something also that maybe Paul didn't know how to take. He was kind of saying like, I backed off. I couldn't deal with it. You became leader and you did a lot of things that I really didn't want. But then how do you yeah. react to that? Because he also yeah. was had the option to be leader and he didn't. So what do you say? I think, I think that also follows up what Paul was saying earlier. And I, I think it's back in the Twickenham section, or I think, where he's like, I've kind of been put into this role that I didn't really want and I don't feel comfortable with it. And I don't know that I want this role, but... I'm the only one who's willing to do it, and yet nobody supports it. So I don't know what anyone wants from me. Well, I think but that's I think- a little. Sorry to cut you off, Jonathan. I just yeah, I yeah. think that's a little. Um, I don't know. I think Paul's a little uh, in error there because I do think like at one point he did want it. I just don't think he wants it at this moment because it's really falling apart. So he's the one who has to like, you know to really like scoop it all up and try to keep it from slipping between his fingers, you know? Yeah. It's almost like Scotty, you, know, you were going to want it, but also wanted the initial kind of original support that everyone seemed to have when Brian was still in charge and it was, you know, go team. Mr. Epstein. Yeah. And then when it's just kind of like, you know, a ship without a rudder, he's like, Oh, there's nothing behind me pushing. Oh, I don't, this isn't what I wanted. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Good thought. Oh, so I I think that, you know, what I observed from Paul, he was the only one that really cared about the end product. He was always talking about the payoff and the and what what are we doing this for? And everyone else is just kind of like, 
I don't know, we're just doing it. <laughs> and so, like, he got a little bit obsessed, and maybe it's his personality, whatever, with, like, what is the presentation? What's the presentation going to be? And, like, what, is it just an album? Is it a, you know, is it, we going to do a show? Are we going to do it? And he was really kind of obsessed with that. Meanwhile, he's obviously a genius writer, and he's the greatest, most accomplished musician of them all, and he's looking at John playing bass probably like, what the fuck? And, you know, like, and he's, you know, you know, there's times where he's kind of like, shit. But, I mean, and I just felt like he, whether he was trying to be leader or not, his, and maybe he wasn't listening to John, and maybe his mind wasn't going, and it wasn't all getting in there, but I feel like he was so focused on the, what is the product? And not so much mm-hmm. about, like, the music. Even though, like, that's so easy for him. That's that's the easy part for him. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. just kind of my take a little bit there. But I mean, going off what you just said there, Scotty, um, there's there's a lot to talk about with Paul here. I think John was probably the most interesting figure from my perspective, purely because I've always been this very cynical, flippant guy. You know, oh, John was smacked out. He didn't care. He didn't bring any good songs. He reused a track from the WWF record years ago, blah, blah, blah. John was so dedicated as a musician and as an artist and as a collaborator in this documentary, it completely changed my John Lennon during the Let It Be Get Back Sessions worldview. Like, when he's looking at Paul, like, so how do you want to play the the piano part for she came in through the bathroom window? Like, he's just, like, looking up like a little kid, like, okay, yeah, cool, yeah, I want to do this. There's, there's, there's like, none of that... <sighs> whatever Paul there, there was none of that in this and yeah, none, yeah some of it might have been edited out I, I think a lot of heroin stuff may have been edited out for, for for Disney and supposedly a lot of Yoko's suggestions may have been edited out because that might be a bit too negative as well we'll probably see it on the Blu-ray documentary who knows but Lennon was totally changed for me by this documentary 100% mm-hmm. do you think Yoko had the stopwatch for this one too <laughs> <laughs> what was it? it? It was Mal with the stopwatch, wasn't it? It was like, oh, it's three forty-four. It's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Mal, how about Mal, Mal Evans getting some Mal shine Evans. on oh, this document? Oh, like, That's a yeah, busy, a busy boy. <laughs> yeah. the real he looks so people. happy. The real fifth he looks so happy playing the anvil. Oh my god! No, the, the, I the love tambourine. it. And, uh, he's he's on, doing he's everything for them. Him playing the tone of him walking out of that room. Paul's like. Oh, Mal, go get an anvil and maybe a hammer. Like, joking around. Ten minutes later, Mal's got the hammer and anvil in the studio after. Yeah, he's got bow ties. George, he's got George shoes. Him, yeah. George makes him go out for some bow ties, right? So much <laughs> toast. Bow ties. So much toast. Um, so much, so toast. much toast and tea. How about that scene where he's sitting, sit, staring into space, like, clearly high as a kite playing the tambourine behind the drum set? Yeah. <laughs> is amazing. I love him so I much. Mean, how about, and then he's like... Sorry, how about... Mal, go get... Defo- sorry, yeah. deflecting the cops. You know, Mal was like, oh, you... Oh, he was yes. great at that. Yes. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I tweeted this earlier. As, as amazing as the rooftop is, the unsung heroes of that day are, are Mal Evans... Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy the doorman and yep, yep. the receptionist who was just like yeah. I don't know anything like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Jimmy, yeah. I'll be right back with somebody and just ghost these guys <laughs> yes. hour. yeah you see him up on the roof where he's just like chilling mm. like <laughs> who are these beetles you're talking about <laughs> and, and then he just keeps it totally cool 
the whole time. Like this it's is the a most bakery. What do you like? Yeah. Version. <laughs> I want to know more about her story. I would love to see like bonus DVD yeah. footage of like her recanting that day. Yes. Like I want to know her perspective of how that went down. Actually, while we're talking about Apple people, can I just say something I I noticed while watching? It's you, you, you kind of get the impression from all the books about you know how Apple was functioning or not functioning at that time, but it's it's you really saw a lot of people walking different places with things in their hands, not seeming to really do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, I kind of think that speaks to what we were talking about a minute ago about Paul too. You know, Apple is like just a, a manifestation of these brilliant ideas they have and they just keep coming and coming and coming, but without really like proper management and organizational structure yeah. above and around what it is that Paul and John are doing. They, you know, they hook up with the magic Alex. They have all of these crazy things going on. Right. I was sure. Yeah. Every one of these meetings is so tough. It's like, it's either seven people having different conversations in one room or it's, you know, Michael and Z hog trying to awkwardly like convince them to do something. And none of them are ready to have that conversation. And like you're saying, Erica, just such a clear sign that they need a leader. They need someone at the front at the helm of the ship here. It's, it's, it was astounding to me how they were self-aware of that because I don't know, mm-hmm. I guess, cause you know, we're all, we all, you know, study the Beatles, you know, obviously we all do the podcasts and, I guess I just never realized that they knew they needed a leader, you know, because I mean, I talk, you know, number one, Brian Stan right here, but I always talk about, you know, what happens after Brian died and how it fell apart. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I didn't know that they knew that, you know, so to hear them talk about, oh, you know, when Mr. Epstein, although they pronounce his name wrong, I can't even get into that. They all did. (laughs) Uh, Can't even get into that. Uh, I thought of you guys. We only know that from you. Excuse me, Americans. No, he didn't pronounce pronounce it wrong uh, at at all. Sam has obviously never listened to like our two-parter or two episodes about how to. We do not want to get into this right now because this will derail the entire Let It Be conversation. I can't right now. (laughs) Yeah. Shut up, Sam. Anyway. (laughs) Sam, what sidebar is it? school you have a thought on that sentiment i got dipped for a second so I, if it's been covered cut me right off but um the talk of the beatles uh when they're talking about the flower pot conversation that sort of thing like is some of this the first time that they're addressing this like, like is this just shit that they have kept in forever and, and is I, that I don't weird? know about that but i need to just uh, what the fuck is michael Lindsay hogg's accent <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't figure it out like the entire Three parts. Every time I I hear him talk, it's just like, where are you from, mystery man? He gets it from the cigar, man. <laughs> and Paul what? Paul smoking the cigars at the beginning. Oh, I, that was so cool. That was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Have we talked about the, the smoking yet? There is so much uh, smoking. Oh, Isn't it so cool? So upsetting. They do look cool. <laughs> I, I did. It my, it I my smoker. Yeah. Brain. I was like. Man, that'd be real good right about <laughs> <laughs> Did you I, notice they had a warning on it? Like they do for like, it yeah. contains nudity and smoking yeah. or <laughs> sexual, like what? But the, because it's, it contains that much smoking, you know, it's not like a smoke. It's like everyone contains like, conversations about Boy Scouts and smoke. <laughs> well, that's right. It's Constant funny that you, you brought up the, when, when Heather's in the studio 
and everyone is smoking. Like that would yeah. never happen right now. Like she's in yeah. the studio with like 20 people and every single one of them is smoking cigarettes. And yeah. Billy, yeah. Billy Preston as well, since he's got his hands free, he, he, he smokes more than all four Beatles combined. Like, yeah. And there was the a cigarette move that I had never seen Scotty. Maybe you know this as a guitarist or Jonathan, where they put the guitar string into the filter to hold the cigarette. Did you see that at the beginning? That's not, that's not a thing. Yeah understood the point of that like it's just gonna go to waste anyway it's just something that it's oh i've always like, loved when slash had a cigarette burning i yeah. thought that was, that was cool <laughs> you know i did think that was cool or clapped in and, and the headstock gets a burn and it looks awesome no it's just yeah. weird like just put it out you're not gonna finish that the only the only <laughs> shot in the movie where billy preston doesn't have a cigarette george leans over and goes you want a cigarette billy <laughs> <laughs> I want the Siggy. Yeah, Siggy. I, I, like Siggy. I think it's when Billy was so excited about that stylophone. I've never seen. He was so pumped to, to play with that little. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was awesome to see. Uh, I mean, clearly, there's like, a couple of like pivotal moments where things happen. We wait, wait. Oh, oh. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> what? I wish I have a stylophone. I wish we could. Uh, I, I, I have it right here. I wish we could only see the joy on your face if you had your camera on. I know. Is it Billy? Oh, Pippen jokes on you! Face? I don't have joy on my face. <laughs> what did you find it? Uh, on my uh, floor. <laughs> <laughs> you win. I don't know. I don't make these things. <laughs> <laughs> Are you good? I don't have all the answers. <laughs> We're it's just good, asking for one. It's a good thing. <laughs> that, like, when something strange and bizarre enters the like, enters the world of the inter- enters the creative realm, they're immediately like, "How can we put this to use?" Yeah, yeah. The like, microphone mm-hmm. George is holding on his neck, like the weird talk boxy thing yeah. or whatever. That's yeah. his guitar pickup, right? That's what I thought it was. Was it a pickup? I couldn't tell what it was. I thought he was holding his uh, his electric his acoustic electric pickup to his neck, maybe. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I'm not going on the record. One yeah. one of the more exciting moments, you know, as as a musician gear nerd, was when they uh, wheeled in the Leslie. Oh yeah, in a, Apple, a fresh Leslie. Just, <laughs> yeah, a fresh Leslie. Yeah, a fresh it's like lady. oh, you know what? You know what's? <laughs> thank you. Who said freshly? That's awesome. <laughs> That was Allison. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it's awesome. That was an Allison Boron original. Yeah, copyright. There was even some Paul Rickenbacker in this, which I never knew even happened during these sessions. I was like, that Rickenbacker has seen some stuff and some things. I'm like, Paul, dude, the paint job. What happened to it in like the two years since you got it? (laughs) Yeah, things got crazy on the rain video shoot. And he he said the nut was backwards in the Rickenbacker, which is something I, I never knew. And now I know. I've been told similar things. He was moving, yeah. Uh, a Fender Malibu acoustic that showed up in episode one, which I've never seen discussed in any Beatles gear threads uh, or conversations, like a, a Fender uh, Malibu acoustic. And you Is that the one with the, the, like the Stratocaster-style headstock? Yep, yep. Yeah. You see George grab it, but you don't see him actually play it. But I've never seen that discussed in any topic of Beatles gear conversation. Huh. Speaking of Fender, I do love that moment where they're talking about getting the QE2 and they're going to have it just given to them for free and donated. And George goes, we can't even get Fender to give us an amp. How are we going to get this boat given to us? Yeah. 
I think it's funny when they're talking about that stuff that George seems most concerned about what it's going to cost. I thought that was a funny yeah. thing where they're just like, Taxman, baby. <laughs> <laughs> himself. Like par for the course. That's like, I was like surprised George didn't talk about money more. I was yeah. like, where's the George? Yeah. <laughs> Every other word, you know, should be how much. Oh, no. There's a money making endeavor at Apple that may not work out. Yeah. For the best. (laughs) I.e. Magic Alex's entire division. (laughs) They pull out that that guitar with the, the rotating neck. They're oh like, my this god! Is the, the, the price yeah. is made oh. of, it's like a Minecraft toy. That said, everything everybody needs to know about Magic Alex yeah. forever. Yeah. That's it. Well, I, I think believe it. Alan Klein cut uh, cut Magic Alex pretty early. I think when he came on. Well, George Martin had a sick uh, Magic Alex. Uh, burn when they're talking about at their Twickenham and they're talking about the studio and uh, George Martin's like, well, you know, Alex is almost finished with it. I, who knows if it'll work or something, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, burn. the best, yeah. the burn. most posh burn, the best. I was, really I was really hoping we would get to see his actual studio build out, like what he presented as. Yeah. Here you go, guys. Like, what did they walk into? Yeah, because I'd always heard about like. The little speakers around the, the 16 room. speakers, yeah. I really wanted to see because, like, they were like, no cameras were allowed that day. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> I wanted to see yeah. that shit show so badly. That, that wasn't the best George Martin burn, let me, let, me, let me just say. It's when they go to Apple Studios and George Martin looks over to Glyn and John's goes, so now that we're here basically in my studio, they actually sound pretty good, Glyn, don't they? And it's like, it's like oh! <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Yeah. yeah. There oh, was, um, yeah, there was did, the. Uh, did anyone else? Oh, sorry. No, there was, sorry. There was the unspoken tension between George Martin and Glenn Johns, yeah, where, for sure. um, mm-hmm. you know, I think Paul is in the playback room at uh, Apple at one point, and he says something like, "Oh, you know, something." You know, now that Billy's here, it's great or whatever. And George is sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, we didn't do anything, Glenn, and you know, we can sense the snark. I just. George Martin, man, he is a... Uh, he was so present in this doc as well. I, I didn't know George Martin was... Even, I thought he was a persona non grata during these yeah. sessions. And, me too. And, yeah, and, and yeah. Me too. He's there solving all the problems. And then you, like, you see little baby Chris Thomas, who which I loved, you know, at the boards. Uh, and Eric and I have hung out with Chris. He's a sweetheart. Um, but seeing him there was, was really fun because, you know, he had just gone through the shit show that was the White Album. You know, mm-hmm. nice to see he wasn't too traumatized to come back. I um back to the egg. Woo! <laughs> On that point, from I sort of loved George here. I thought that he came off first of all, like maybe I've never knew, but like he is devilishly handsome in this. Oh, yes, in, he is <laughs> right now. Like he is looking really good. But Slip also, like that head. scene where he's he's laying on the floor reading a newspaper in sort of the basement of Apple which is not like his turf or whatever. And he's there participating. Like I actually give George, a, I, I give George grief on our podcast. If, if anyone listens to our podcast and sometimes I give George Martin a little bit of grief, but like in those moments, I was just like, wow, like this, he's, he's here and participating and, and, and I don't know. I, uh, you have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not one that you've been on Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> Damn. I also liked how, uh, like, Ringo, George Martin is the one that Ringo admits to that he farted. I'm like, I wouldn't tell George Martin that. And George (laughs) is like a a presence. Yeah, exactly. He just doesn't seem like a guy you would tell I farted to, you know? And he's going to try to blame him. But then he has the whole explanation. I think that comes from 
comes because at some point in time, George Martin turned to Ringo and went, I just farted. <laughs> I just broke wind, Richard. I just broke wind. <laughs> what about their code names? Do you guys... They had that code names. Oh, that was so ridiculous! What the hell yeah. was like that? Never Where did really that come from? Yeah, or whatever. They call Ringo like Russia. Russia, Russia, yeah. France. Yeah, France of George. But no one so, knew what they were. Nobody knew. <laughs> that was Michael Lindsay Hall thinking he was like making Bond or something. Yeah, right? yeah like, cool. he was, yeah. And then he was well, called the Thank you for. PM. Yeah. Oh, I hated that so much. Well, yeah. RS got here first. It's yeah. like, you can go fuck off. <laughs> Honestly. All right. And then I love when the flowers come after George has left. And Michael Lindsay Hogg goes, who are they from? And Ringo goes, oh, the Hare Krishna. Yeah. And he goes, oh, Harry, do you like him? <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> what a phony. Could there have been anybody less well-suited to doing a Beatles documentary? Oh, I mean. Yeah. I felt bad for him at times because oh, he course. was just so in over his head and he was trying to make these absurd suggestions. It's like he'd never really researched yeah. who the Beatles were or <laughs> and how to was, work with them. Or, yeah, he was trying to craft this narrative, which I imagine you do sort of when you make a documentary. Yeah. I've never done it. But but he's sort of like, we need to like fabricate some sort of big moment at the end of this. And so that's why he's pushing for it. I'm like, you know, like... Uh, isn't a point of this to sort of just document what happens? You know, the Beatles are going to break up. Isn't that a fantastic ending anyway? Yeah, you know, just tell the truth yeah. in a children's hospital where they just have broken legs and are super <laughs> yeah, sick. Not, well, Tommy, maybe, maybe, just an or, maybe just an orphanage, you know, maybe. <laughs> um, dude, when he's talking about oh that, God. was anybody else? Because they show John's face a lot. Was anybody <laughs> else waiting for John to do some sort of like face to make fun of like you know disabled people because i was oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i was yeah. so like oh god please don't do it john please don't do it be stomping or whatever yeah maybe they cut it out who knows do the I, hands. I, it had to happen <laughs> on the back of that note john lennon seems like a tough guy to work with i'm gonna say it this is like this is where i flipped a lot on this whole like you're right I, i'm more john than i am paul or whatever but then i was like man i can't imagine coming in and john is like just kind of doing his John thing this whole fucking time. Like, it's got to be hard to be like, we've got to get some stuff done. We've got 14 days. We've got 28 days, mm-hmm. whatever they end up with. But um, he's, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's not a serious man. <laughs> I, I think that George walking out was the only thing, really, that saved this project. Because John kind of got his shit together after that happened. And he came back, yeah. and he was much more yeah. on the ball. Yeah. But well, there's the these sea change one, moments, yeah. right, in the in the show, right? There's the sea change moment, I think, of coming to Apple. That's a, a huge one where you just see everyone's face change. Everything changes. Oh, the vibe is better. Clearly, George time. is back. There's a sea change moment, I think, when Billy Preston comes in. Absolutely. Suddenly, everyone is mm-hmm. like, 100%. We want to impress this guy a little bit, and he's yeah. filling in something. He's making us, he's driving us to be better. And, and then he's I also think, just like an ex- expressing joy about yeah, the project. He's so yeah. happy yeah. to be there. Yeah. He's like, you guys are Even during like I'm in the room, a you know? 15 minute dig it jam. He's yeah. like, yeah. yes, yeah. let's go. It's like he's smiling. Get them the cigarettes time. coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're jam- uh, they, uh, the I have a dream thing. Are they jamming that to I want you? She's yeah. Is that? Yeah. That? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that moment is, is awesome. And then clearly there's a sea change when they step on the roof. Like that second when they step on the roof and start performing. 
And they're like, we got this. We know exactly what this is. Like, those were all like magic. Even magic George looks, for me. looks happy there, and he was fighting it the most. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. He was smiling. And that yeah. upshot of George is just so iconic. Like, whoever's shooting from his knees, like up the Telecaster, <laughs> yeah. like, that, you know, that's what you picture when you're thinking of the rooftop. Up that Telecaster, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was used for a when solo you're... album, wasn't it? That shot, I believe. Like a live. The show for George Fest, yeah. Okay. George Fest, that sounds awesome. Weird, Al plays on it. It's so good. (laughs) Um, Becker, coming back to what you were saying about John not being that serious, my level of anxiety, which is something I know, I'm not saying that I don't know that he's no, no, but like you know, and it's not even just about John, but my level of anxiety every time they started like just jamming these old covers or their old songs or like it just went through the roof because I'm like thinking of the calendar in my head being like, yeah, uh, would you guys just like, finish these songs? Yeah. Like, no, no, George, you can't bring an old, old brown shoe right now. We have three days to get this thing done. Yeah, let's work old brown shoe for an hour, a song we've never played before. That sounds like a grand idea, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could Tommy, George steps into really like, coming out right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> George Martin's like, let's polish Octopus's garden right now. And it's like, this is not the time. You know? yeah. But even Paul's happy to be like, yeah, let's do this weird ventriloquist take of two of us right now instead of trying to actually record one. Yeah, let's do exactly. half a pound of grease paint. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone wanted to do that except for Paul in that moment. But um, how many how many songs in this were like it said Lennon McCartney composition? You're like, I've never heard of this before. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. my life. What was that conversation that Paul is talking to maybe a lawyer or something? They're going through all the songs that he has licensed or something like that. That's Dick James, my friend. The Dick James stuff. And and is there a song called um, Does Shrimp Have Good Mothers? Am I making this up? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is a Paul McCartney song? I don't know anything about this. but uh, And then um, Richie gives that great line, George, you want to see what you own half a percent of? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. What about when George is like opening up to John about a solo album? Oh yeah, and how like I thought that was supportive very cool. John is. Like, That's so yeah. That Even was Yoko so great. Yeah, I, I yeah. just love how George is like. I have enough, uh, you know, songs for ten years, and then it's like, oh, BRB just gonna blow them all on a double album. Yeah, yeah. be back later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I do that love that. Really that moment. That that moment is really really great. I think because yeah, I think it's very I, I special. When he broaches it. He kind of lays out the first sentence, and you can tell as he's like formulating in his head, "How do I say I want to make my own record and not like do it in a way that's destructive to the yeah. unit as a whole?" Yeah, mm-hmm. like he really like, took his time to find his words, and it that, was thoughtful. Which I thought yeah, really telling because like everyone says, "Oh, you know, George is ready to leave, and John's ready to leave," but they all at various points are talking about like future plans and protecting the brand and continuing doing Beatle things. And when he mentions that he's very specific about how he approaches it as like clearing the deck so they can move forward. Yeah. 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 That was really mm-hmm. interesting. Totally. It was a great Good model point. for the Beatles gone forward. If they I were know. able to do it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, also, it really... I wanted to ask what y'all thought about this idea. Um, Cause it comes up in the film about, bringing Billy Preston in full time. And how yeah. do you think, had they, had they done that, how would that have changed 
the trajectory of the band going forward? Do you think it would be have been a good idea, a bad idea? Well, I, I think, think that. Oh, I think it will. Sorry, the Billy, the Billy Shine would have worn off a little bit, but yeah, well, you know, the, like uh, that that initial thing would have, you know, it might have been a little on two rougher. songs on, on Abbey Road anyway, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does yeah. that organ part on uh, She's So Heavy, right? Yeah. Yep. Sounds just like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got the vocal organ thing down. <laughs> yeah, I sort I of feel like, like Ethan is like the uh, two old men from the Muppets, just like coming uh, <laughs> at us from the uh, opera. Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. We can't quite. Well, I, can't I, quite, I keep thinking of. We can't see them in I the stage lights. I keep thinking of things you know? to say. <laughs> yeah. I keep thinking of things to say, but they are completely unrelated to what the other people are talking about. It's like you're having a conversation about John, and I'm thinking this wouldn't this have been awesome if they had like ron howard narrating like arrested development through the whole documentary it's like look look george i'm not upset he was upset (laughs) (laughs) can can you do that for us yeah i want want the recut with ethan Ethan being ron howard yeah john john have you written any song yeah plenty of them he hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't want to be—I don't want to be a downer, but can we keep Ron Howard away from Beatles documentaries? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did eight days a week, didn't he, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. Is it not good? <laughs> I was okay with eight days. Yeah. I didn't hate it. It's good if you've never heard anything about the Beatles before. It's well, it's that classic. Like you'll never believe this. Right out of World War Two, these four young lads from. You'll never believe this. But even this episode, this whole this whole show started with a little bit of that. I'm like, oh come on, Peter, what are, what are we doing in this intro? Like he should have just fucking dropped us right into Twickenham. Yeah. Like come on, if if people don't know what happened then there's no catching them up at this point. Okay, you know? but hold on. I actually disagree because I think he should have done that at the end. I think we should have had the next year of the Beatles at the end in another montage. Yeah. Like, yeah. What happened to actually break them up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is the- true. Yeah, yeah. That's, it, it leaves us in a weird world. Yeah, it I does. agree with uh, Becker. I disagree. Actually, no, I disagree with Becker, and I disagree with Tommy a little bit, but I, uh, I actually like... I just hate everybody. So you really just have your own point. Huh, Allison? I just want to say that, you know. Um, no, but I, I actually like... Welcome to the club, Allison. <laughs> I'm not going to... Come join me on the balcony. <laughs> I, Ethan, I could never live up to your... Your uh, your roast qualities of all of us. You keep us humble. You keep us young, Ethan. Um, no, but I I actually liked how he treated the uh, the you know the prior history of the Beatles because I did too. Things that maybe people had forgotten about or whatever. I liked how he uh, included more footage of the Manila stuff and because they talk about Manila, you know, yeah. in the first, I think, part. And they make that, I think yeah. for some people that would have been totally lost on them. And also there's Brian footage in the beginning. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, I get it. Do you know what caught me off guard? You could have just said that. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Around that point in the documentary <laughs> where they're doing rock and roll music and it's kind of cutting back and forth between uh, them in the studio mm-hmm. and uh, Budokan. Yeah, I love that. And then they have like the audience in there for some reason. Yeah, it was like I like fake that. crowd noise at a stadium. 
Yeah. I like that. I like how it reminded us that these are still like the be- the Fab Four Beatles, you I, know. I think almost everything in that in that kind of preamble intro was used as a callback later on because there's yeah. a lot of references yeah. to like Quarry Men where it shows the two of us lyrics and it says the Quarry Men original. Um, then there's like the who's that little old man callback later on. So I yeah. think it was there for like callback reference. But and we were talking about this earlier is this is not necessarily made for the casual fan, which I kind of love that they made something not for the casual fan, yeah. but that intro was almost like for the casual fan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool. That's all you got. Fuck you. Hop in. Let's go. Yeah, well, that's like, exactly. It's yeah. like not enough to catch anyone up though. Fuck. You know, We're like, going. yeah, so let's go. I thought it was like, great. I mean, so I had seen, uh, last week I saw the Brian Wilson documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen oh, it. Oh, I didn't watch it yet. I, I, yeah. want I want to watch it. Yeah. That. It's, it's good, but it has a lot of like, like talking heads, like we were talking earlier, as talking heads, as people sort of like saying, like, "Oh, this in my room is important because it made me feel like this," or Brian Wilson's yeah. a genius because, and it's like you don't have to have that shit in there. It kind of makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The best parts of that documentary are just Brian talking with the, the interviewer. Um, so that is like that is sort of made for who I call normies. <laughs> like yeah. not the fans so I was very simple folk because I'm always wondering what, what Dave Grohl thinks about this artist is my <laughs> <love> <laughs> uh, but I just you know I those of us who have had our brains ruined by these people it's like okay finally finally something for me that I don't have to like cringe over for mm-hmm. you know three hours six hours nine hours whatever just it is great it does limit who you can watch this thing with though because if you're you yeah. have to either be watching it by yourself yeah. or with other like-minded members Sociopaths, of the tribe. Yeah. Or like I, I, I yes. don't think uh, <laughs> Peter Jackson or anyone involved with the production uh, anticipated that uh, <coughs> the average viewer would have someone to watch it with. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You think they did a demographic study? <laughs> I mean, like a- I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> I say I was super excited about this earlier this evening. I was saying, you know, I'm ready to start it again. I want to watch it again. I don't think she would let me. And she, when I brought it up, she was like, "I'm not opposed to it." And I was like, "That's a breakthrough." Oh my god! Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Julia, because you know you are you're like I'm not on the rest of your level. Like, what were your impressions of the whole thing you i mean you said that it seemed like them having a good time you know like that kind of thing but it's like i i'm just curious if anybody or if anybody else here knows of anybody who watched it that's not like you know a total beatles fucking nerd waste waste our lives on this stuff kind of thing (laughs) to put it nicely Um, (laughs) there were some parts that were a bit slower than others um but it, I I stayed with it. Like I, I was able to watch all of it all the way through. Um, there were a couple points where I did pick up my phone and like check my email real quick. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Cast her out. I feel like there was an argument that just kept going around and around. Well, there were some times where in real life, like just these like circular arguments that don't resolve themselves. And then it happens again a half hour later. Yeah. Like, you just kind of like, somebody make a fucking decision, please. And I'm very, like, um, I don't, like, 
I sort of identify with Paul in that he's trying to like just get everyone to like get this thing done. He's like, we have two weeks or at some point three weeks to like we need we have a goal, like we're trying to do this thing. And I think that's kind of why he was trying to force like the big finish that he wanted was because he's like, if I can just set a goal for them, then we have something to strive for. Otherwise we're just gonna like sit around here and like do this goofy shit all day and then we call it a night and then they stroll in at eleven thirty, not ready you know, like so I I kinda it, I feel his like frustration as, like, that kind of person who's, You're like... You're a task-oriented uh, Yes, person. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. it, it's done. What's the most efficient way? Come on, come on. <laughs> so I'm just, like, it was a little bit driving me crazy to watch it. Just, like... And I think I said probably, like, six or seven times, like, wow, they're really acting like a bunch of people who don't have anything to do in the next <laughs> <week."> <laughs> like, <laughs> And they mostly don't. I think that's the... Has anyone seen The Magic Christian? I've never seen it. But it doesn't seem no. like it should be delaying a Beatles record. It seems like they could have plowed right over Ringo, Ringo's obligation to be part of Magic Christian. And uh, part of it that you actually see is like some scenery getting wheeled in. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's just a thing that or, exists. Or John yeah. Lennon Peter treating Sellers Peter Asher very, very awkward, cho- very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> That was so awkward oh because God. Peter Sellers is like Peter one of their heroes, yeah. and yeah. now John is like outgooning the goons. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. That was they didn't, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think not only should they have added Billy Preston to the lineup permanently, they should have added, uh, you know, what, what, what's his name? Peter, Peter Sellers. Sellers. Peter Sellers. <laughs> Peter Sellers. <laughs> just for comedy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Mighty Mighty Bostones have a guy fact. that just dances on stage. So it's like, why not have, have this sort of guy? Bring it back to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The birthplace of all music, uh, Boston. You know, you guys ever heard of uh, a little band called Aerosmith? <laughs> no. <laughs> so just... No, I haven't. In fact, I haven't heard of those. Men. No. <laughs> they, they did that come but what is Dave Where are they from? <laughs> Uh, just brought us all here uh, to convert us into Aerosmith fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're all huge Aerosmith fans. <laughs> <laughs> Becker and I are secretly doing this as a way to get our drinking Aerosmith podcast going. <laughs> Sips. <Yeah>. Drunk <laughs> in an elevator. Would that, would that be cool? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what I think was most interesting for me, and just like this is this is maybe the last like for me that I have. Can I interrupt you? Yeah, do an Aerosmith podcast while while doing whippets, and you can call it Aerosol. Oh, good one. Nice. I don't know uh, who made this point earlier, uh, talking about the end of the movie. Uh, someone said they wanted to, uh, to talk about the end of the Beatles. Did anyone else feel like this film suffered in part three for the fact that it wasn't about the album Let It Be and it was just about the Let It Be Get Back sessions? Because I was like, yeah. oh, so there's no talk about George coming back to finish off Army Mind. There's no talk of Phil Spector right. at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we don't know if the album was a success. We don't even know if the album came out, bar from a couple of title things say, this is on the album Let It Be. Yeah. Um, and the the last ten minutes was like, just get this over with. I mean, it's yeah. like Peter, Peter, Peter. This is streaming. We will watch yeah. forty hours of this yeah. crap. Like, slow down, man. And but is there uh, footage of it to complete that story? You could have shown me those. Matters. Pics. You could have shown me the footage of the flower pot. <laughs> 
Hey, well done, Ethan. Thank you for coming. Yeah, you could have shown me those pictures where John has the huge beard in a slow montage, and like, and then some of the stuff from their solo careers, like whatever. I, yeah, I was surprised yeah. you put like the last days footage with the credits. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was heartbroken that my favorite interaction in the whole of those sessions didn't make it in because it was a, a January 1970 thing. And it's the one time where my two passions in life, the <laughs> Beatles and Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch cross paths. Where George mentions them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might have heard that Dave D has left the group. But Mickey Titch and I will keep doing great things at number two. <laughs> Like it was, it was almost like Pete, Pete Jackson was like, well, Michael Lindsay Hogg showed all of two of us Long and Winding Road and let it be. I can't do that, even though I'm going to do the entire rooftop gig. You know, it's like, just show them, man. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on. We, we, we'll wait. We'll wait. It but if you're a filmmaker, isn't it a nice finish to just watch everyone listening to playback? You know, isn't that just a way to finish a film? You know? Like, instead of saying, like, this isn't what I want it to be, and it is what it is, like, if you're going through footage and you have uh, the Beatles there and you have all of their their significant others, like, that's a Having a moment. good time. When Ringo showing puts, the joy. Ringo puts his hand on top of uh, Linda and Paul's hand, like... That was so funny. That's that was so pretty cute. nice. Yeah, that you know? was adorable. Like, yeah. You know, I, you know. How many of the editorial choices in this movie do you think were made simply to spite Michael Lindsay Hogg? <laughs> why do we have to call him Michael Lindsay Hogg? Like, what is, why can't he just be Michael Hogg? Like, what is going on with yeah, that? Yeah, My, Mikey Hogg. <laughs> no, it's like one of those names where you have to say it, you know. Hogs, can I bring something up here? Yep. I dread to think this is Maybe. Did you all happen to notice a scene at Apple where everyone's standing around, George is sitting down reading, I think he's reading uh, a Beatles book, Ringo's leaning against the piano. Julie looks horrified already. And it cuts in close to George, right? But in the background is Ringo in these blue jeans. (laughs) And y'all, Ringo's junk. (laughs) <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, oh. That was back in the thunder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, wait, were those really? Had, no. Did you just see his death? Oh <laughs> <laughs> really? He is somehow the most he. Good night, he is Somehow the best dressed beetle and the beetle with the most visible penis out. <laughs> You know, everyone talks about the drummer being the most like the back the back beat uh, like the backbone of a band. Here's the backbone. Wow. I only need one drumstick. Use <laughs> <laughs> the cock and balls holding the whole thing together. I'm shocked that it's not like Wait, a were gift. The, were those right now? Were those the with the holes accounts? in them? Because I think I was more like horrified by the holes in his jeans, like at the back of his jeans. I've got a hole in me pocket. Is that the <laughs> Hey. <laughs> okay, can we talk about the fashion? I mean, starting yeah, off, yes. George oh, Harrison's 
flower Wait. power Ugg boots. Oh, so yeah. I want, yeah you. Let me, let me, can I, can I go through, let me go through, Scotty, I, I imagine you'll put some bumper music on this later. It'll be like, Beatles fashion. All right, so here we go. Um, so here, here are my pitches for the, the best, best outfits of each one of them, and then I, I'd like to hear other opinions. I think you're right, Sam, that we all want to talk about George's pastel pink suit, purple pirate shirt, and the moccasins, the flower power moccasins he's wearing. I think we're also forgetting, though, this is a real sleeper pick. The knee-high magenta boots at the beginning oh, of the film those big muck, the those, mm. He's got those mucklucks. I have had those yeah. in my cart since the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic. And again, <laughs> I think that you'll all make fun of me if I wear, like, knee-high, like, moccasins. Yeah, you're right. But, yeah, you're wear right. it, man. I yeah. fucking love it. Do so it. So we've got John, I think, is rocking the t-shirt and bow tie most of the time. That seems to be his look. He, he wore he, the same thing he, for, like, the first he, three says, episodes. Yep. Oh, con- three. He's yeah. continuity clothes. Yeah. He meant Cut, to. Yeah. We've got just done a movie. Paul's and ladies yeah. and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> the blue we've got Paul in his e- Easter sweater getup with like the yellow shirt and yellow sweater. I think love that. You know, and then Ringo, the pink patterned button up or the weird pinstripe blazer. I don't know which one we want to talk about, but pink floral what, button up. That was like that's the one, right? Oh, the Missy, you know, the Missy Elliott coat at the end. <laughs> That daring in a sartorial, in your fashion choices, you've really got to have a set yeah. or a giant mm. wiener in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he the, certainly the, had a set. The Beatles had some great fashion choices, but I do think that the gold medal has to go to Glenn John. Oh, yeah. oh white that coat. Big, white coat. White coat. Oh, my gosh. His sunglasses, <laughs> the neckerchiefs. Like, yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. To me, he was kind of like the window into the outside music world in that documentary. It was like, okay, that's you know Carnaby Street, rest of the music peeking in. This might be. Think all the guys on this podcast tonight should commit to wearing neckerchiefs again in 2022. Well, Do I'm, I'm doing the I'm doing the fake bow tie tonight. Yeah, yeah. Tommy, ha- I got Tommy has a dick oh, set on that we maybe haven't been that. able to see all night. But. Yeah, my microphone's been covered. Uh, was anyone else? Uh, sorry, was anyone else um, upset with the fact that the Twickenham sessions were just dominated by turtleneck sweaters and waistcoats with t-shirts. I'm like, oh, <laughs> someone get them a heater. Like, so they can wear something cool, you know? Uh, so I, was, I, I, I think that, you know, someone said something about them reading the magazine about their, um, you know, yeah, the write-ups yeah. about them. They were pretty freaking obsessed about what people wrote about them. Yeah, yeah that is true. I thought that was rather Drugs, interesting. Drugs, divorce, yeah. and a splitting image. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they joked splitting about image. it, and they didn't take it too seriously, but they, I, I can't imagine reading what someone writes about me. I would Do you not read your podcast that. reviews? <laughs> no, thank fucking God. Scotty can't even get the one on I left. We don't know. Scotty doesn't know anything about like this. Sam reads your podcast reviews, and he has some thoughts about it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a bad thing to ask? But does anybody know what's going on with Glenn Johns' like nail? It's like black. Oh yeah, he's got a bad nail. Oh no, that's what it seemed bang, like. Bang bang. Yeah. <laughs> moving Mal. around. God damn it, Mal was ever enthusiastic. <laughs> well, I I know I know of I know of the Coke nail. 
maybe that was just to make it more visible. Well, it's like <laughs> in case he forgets. He's well, not Carrie Fisher. It, it, it did look like something got dropped and it was like under, like bleeding under the yeah, nail. Yeah. But I was just a, a, I was, a like, dude. Time. I found myself googling like Lynn John's nail. Like, <laughs> he was probably like, they're never going to have the high definition it. in the future to see this. They're <laughs> only shooting in sixteen millimeter. There's no yeah. way. <laughs> Speaking of sixteen millimeter and high definition, yeah. Did you see I what Ringo was saying? Ringo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I have to say this, and I'll probably be the only one who who will, you know, dock the film points for this. But halfway through part two, I kind of noticed um, something looked off with the footage, and it took me a, a minute to figure out what it was. And it was, it's clearly some sort of AI upscaling denoise filter. And once I mm-hmm. noticed that, I couldn't unnotice it, and it was really distracting. Yes. So, I have a little bit I of wanted, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so one of the things that, um, when I went to the premiere, and they had the cut, uh, the Peter Jackson cut playing, and he sort of, like, talked us through his process, that is actually... Yeah, one of the things that he talked about, because there was a lot of AI used to decipher, like, the studio chatter that wasn't really, you couldn't really hear it, you know, in the original footage. Um, so a lot of that was really upscaled. That's why I noticed it, too, Ethan, where, you know, some of the footage was meant to match the words, but it didn't. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably wise, because they did use, like, robots to to tell what they were talking about and to apply that. Um, to amplify that stuff more, which I think some scenes it's like you could really it it seemed like they had like glassy eyes and they were made out of plasticine, (laughs) like it looked weirdly smooth at points, yeah, with looking glass eyes. Yeah, Yeah. the smoothing, I mean, you kind of have to strike a balance between blowing it up to be able to be seen on today's televisions and with the cropping you have to do for, you know, widescreen format with trying to keep it natural. And I think for the most part, they did that. I felt like there were a bunch of issues in part one, actually. I thought part one was the worst as far as, oh, you know, noticing video things where, right, like you were saying, the, the audio and the video were out of sync. And I think that was because they were recorded separately and the video tend to get out of sync much faster than the audio. I'm not sure why that wasn't fixed. I don't know enough about this stuff, but I, it seemed like it went away after Twickenham. So maybe it was just a sad Twickenham thing. They needed yeah, six I, years to do it. Yeah, <laughs> they, they should have gotten Magic Alex on. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's not I felt like it was a bit of a compromise. There were some funky spots in there where I was like, "Oh, clearly they're like inserting frames or doing whatever." I don't have the technical prowess to say that they're doing, but um, I think that's why they hired Peter Jackson, right? Like he had just redone like this World War One footage mm-hmm. stuff. And I think yeah. that's part of why he got this gig. I know that he's like a Beatles fan, but I think really he got this gig because he had restored footage in a way that probably they thought some, some other shops couldn't have done. Like it wasn't just Peter Jackson's, the fact that he has this entire film studio that had done all of this work in Lord of the Rings and have like the computer processing power that, that, that Peter Jackson has at his disposal is why he's processing this footage. I think I'm pretty sure Andy circus in motion capture played Paul McCartney at one point. I can't confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> My precious. I don't remember get back. when, when uh, when Beatles Rock Band came out, and there was a commercial that kind of like showed them crossing Abbey Road and doing that whole thing. Yeah. And there's this one shot of it or in it of John 
where John turns to the camera and he's like got this big smile and what looks like the most fake glued on beard. That shot is in. No. Uh, I think in the third episode. Thank you. I was like, Thank I you. Face. I knew that face from somewhere. It's that creepy face where they like glue on fake beard to like CGI mm-hmm. early 69 John. It's really strange. Like wow. that was kind of. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. I noticed that too. I forgot about that commercial and that was a nightmare. I need to do a rock band episode at some point. Cause we I, should, I, I, I want to do a, I I wanna do a podcast off where we play each other in rock band. Whoa. Be the so I, I had the Hofner and then I lent the, uh, the head against a radiator that was on. And then I came back about an hour later, and it, it entirely melted. <laughs> <laughs> no good. Did anyone else wonder during I, the show why Yoko Ono has so much paperwork to work through? <laughs> like she's constantly like opening <laughs> envelopes and like writing stuff and reading and like the divorce. <laughs> you think it's that lengthy of a paperwork? She's got correspondence. It's man. a divorce. A lot of paperwork. Yeah. Apparently. I also she, she's got a, she's got a lot of blank pa- pages to write yes on, <laughs> but oh, really no. really small. Oh, did anyone say there was two good Paul McCartney Yoko jokes? There was one when Linda made a suggestion, uh, and he goes, "All right, Yoko," uh, yeah. which was, oh, was yeah, really yeah, funny. And then there was one like, "Look, after after this, John, you're just going to be in a." black bag somewhere you know like it was yeah. really really flippant it was very funny <laughs> that linda that linda moment is right around when again that phony michael lindsey hogg is talking about what a fan he is of the beatles <laughs> and she's yes, like yes and she's, she's like, like you want to make uh, a better yeah, fan yeah. and he's like well i'm a bigger fan than you are he's yeah, like yeah. what do you want to fight about it right yeah, now yeah, which i love <laughs> that's like, a funny one i loved that Linda was great in her yeah. small parts. Like I, I fell in love with her even more. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. Actually, she had one of my favorite things with uh, with Heather and Paul in the in the in part three, where uh, Linda was describing Heather like coming home one night. It's like I think I'm gonna eat for about three hours and then I'll go to bed around one and then Paul's like no you're just going right back in your box yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time to go yeah, yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of Linda like we see a bunch of her photos and then it shows the photo yeah. on screen did Ethan Russell get one of those moments as well like one possibly I think so yeah. I got a couple yeah. yeah when they first got to Apple I think yeah yeah because they showed he took the photograph of I believe John let me look at the letter B cover hang on yeah, John, uh, in the Apple Studio, and oh. they showed that on, like, in a montage of his pics, too. Okay. Yeah. Were they Everyone not? Everyone got their fair shake in this. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. I think they even mentioned the, the book. The, yeah, the, the couple Get times. The book. Yeah. That, that came with the original record. I loved all the cameos of people in the Beatles world, like Robert Frazier comes in there, and I'm like, oh, that's what he looks like, you know? And, <laughs> And so Dell and just all these people that I've you know read about over the years, but I've never actually seen their faces or heard their voices. I wish we could have heard Maureen talk a little bit. Like I'd love to hear her voice. 
Yeah. Uh, Patty so Patty for and... a hot second. You know, just real quick. Yeah. I wish oh, we could have heard Alan of leaving George. Yeah, I wish we could have heard Alan Klein because it probably would have been like, oh, hello, Beatles. Your Alan Klein sounds like John Lovett. <laughs> <laughs> like John Belushi and the Ruddles. I yeah. know. I was just going to say <laughs> that. Like, it's like forever. Like those two will be intrinsically linked in my mind. <laughs> right. It's like John Belushi is Alan Klein. <laughs> I will get the Beatles one billion dollars. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you monkeys, too. Pesky, yeah. I found the section where John was talking to Glenn about Alan Klein, and Glenn was, like, very yeah. diplomatic. Yeah, yeah. About, like, you could tell he was like, I have nothing good to say about this man, yeah. but... So I have to be like gentle. He says yeah. you are who you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying it. Yeah. And he's saying that. Uh, 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 Alan. Uh, Alan. Alan doesn't talk to John the, the way he talks way he to, to other people. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That, that I thought true. that was like a really interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, look at him being like very diplomatic and careful about what he's saying. Yeah. And John was not taking the bait. He was like, he's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. He's like, well, aren't we all weird in our own yeah. way? Great. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Well, even, I think, even Yoko is super on board when they're talking about it. She, she's like, uh, he, you know, he owns part of MGM and that kind of stuff. Like they were so well, sold in. Like whenever yeah. he had come in and pitched them, like she, they were on board. Because you know? what he, Ron Howard narration, this would be important later. <laughs> <laughs> well, just side note, what he did, he was so cunning about this kind of stuff. When he met John and Yoko, he did a lot of research on Yoko and he focused on Yoko, uh-huh. which made both John and Yoko really obsessed with him. Oh, really? I mean, he, he did it. He, he really engineered that relationship. Yeah. And speaking of that, Yoko, so uh, the, what I always think is funny is that um, the John stuff where he sings vocals about Yoko, like, I think it's funny to, to sort of just be just saying your sort of spouses or significant other's name or whatever. And then they're doing that jam and Yoko sings John's name during some part of it. And I thought that was super fucking cool. Like that reciprocity of this thing that I was like, okay, this is just something that they, they were into, I guess, you know, like I hate when I see a relationship dynamic. (laughs) I hate when I see a relationship dynamic that feels like just off or whatever, but there's something here that just felt like, full like reciprocity in that sort of moment that I was like, all right, that's, that's really cool. You know, I think, and yeah, maybe I think, I'm missing a ton of Yoko work that she's saying John or whatever, but, uh, I, I, I'm unfamiliar with it, you know, I think well, yeah, yeah, Yoko sure. was treated very judiciously in this. I think that was a really, that was probably one of the best parts of this documentary because, yeah. you know, there was no, not even a shade of like tongue in cheekness at Yoko, despite, you know, the odd Paul comment. Um, but that was sort of mm. like, you know, he would say it to her face. And in fact, he yeah. did say, it, like, you know, get, you're going to be a black bag somewhere. And John and Yoko were there. So it's like, I felt like, yeah, I, I liked how she was respected, you know, in this doc. And it didn't, it sort of counteracted that stereotype of Yoko breaking up the Beatles because mm-hmm. she wasn't, she didn't even really talk that much. And to be fair, that could have been Yoko vetoing some footage that maybe would have. You know, I, I was going to say, yeah, he I thinks thought, that may have been by design. <laughs> I thought that was the one place where the whitewashing was a little bit too much in that the, it did seem like there was this thing. Like, if they've kept in 
Paul saying to Linda, all right, Yoko, there should be something in the documentary that shows why he would say that. And if there wasn't because she was so silent and she was so not a contributor to the greater Beatles ethos in the way even Linda was. And I thought maybe that was a little bit of that's, an overcorrection, but I understand why. Well, they the only, yeah. Hint, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. hint of it is after that meeting, the second meeting with George where Linda and Yoko go. And it sounds like that becomes more about John and Yoko than it does George's contribution to the band. Right. And that's where Paul's kind of, even in the moment being very, I don't know if we want to say diplomatic or correcting or understanding of his friend being like, well, this is their relationship. And if we want them, if we want him to be in the band, this is kind of, where we are, right? And we, we have to make room mm-hmm. and that they love each other and all that. So Yeah, see, I, I mean, think that's it like seems modern. very genuine too. Yeah. yeah. He does. I, I don't know. I am I'm very leery. I'm the first person to be <laughs> like the worst person to tell Beatles history is is Paul. Like now. I don't yeah. you know, he he candy coats shit so much and that's where it's like, okay, well what did he cut out? And he decided right. to leave that in the footage to make himself look better at that point rather than actually reflect. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, because we know so that they, you know there, much, are, there are letters that exist from you know Paul to John where he calls her like racial slurs. So and that's just a thing that exists. So it's not all there, like oh I John you know I stand John and Yoko like that's not Paul at that yeah, point. Yeah. 100%. What what is the what is the um what was Paul or Ringo's input on this on this get back thing? Did anybody know? They were the executive producers. So. But I what think, does that mean? Is that just like money? No, I, well, you know, with Apple, they sort of, uh, you know, are, they can veto, they can, you know, they really have executive power over everything. I would imagine they had to okay the footage. But I heard Jackson was working on this even like 10, 12 days ago, finishing up final, final cuts. That's true. Before they were uploaded, you know? That's true. Yeah. Wow. I mean, all things said, like, I don't want to take anything away from the John or Yoko thing. It is funny to be a band of brothers and all of a sudden have Yoko sitting right next to John and being right in the mix of things like it. Would you rather Mm -hmm. like if we all had to go to our jobs tomorrow, would you rather be doing your job with Yoko sitting six inches away from you? Or would you rather be doing it with the like a two Hare Krishna staring at you from sort of a a little bit (laughs) distance? I think the context of the job makes it very different. And. You know, when you're in a creative enterprise as opposed to like an office job like any of of us have, it's very different what you can and can't do. And also, you know, the context of of time for them, they're only a month past Yoko having a miscarriage. And because of that, you know, they're dealing with the trauma of that. Then whatever trauma comes up naturally through the holidays is amplified by the loss they've experienced, which is being further amplified Mm -hmm. by increased drug use. By the time they have to report to work, I kind of get the idea of like, I want this person here because we're dealing with this together. Sure. And at the same time, Linda's there and Maureen is there almost as much as Yoko, at least on camera. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe they're not as involved in the circle, but they're also not necessarily dealing with the same thing. So I kind of see the want to have that togetherness where maybe like that's not the best time for them, for John to be in like his most creative availability to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And pa- Paul may have been, this is just speculation, but Paul may have been even more sensitive because Linda was at that time, a couple of months pregnant with Mary. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Whether or not, I'm not sure if it was late enough that they knew yet, but probably they did. And so there's another layer of, you know, let's, let's give this guy some, some room and some sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, Another on the subject of conception, I just want to bring up too <laughs> that at some point during this Let It Be session during this month, Giles Martin oh, was Martin, here. Martin. <laughs> That's why Jordan I had to. so cool. Speaking and of conception, <laughs> back to Ringo's jeans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. Well, actually, speaking of conception, I thought it was quite interesting in the end credits. Uh, Zach Starkey was uh, thanked. Sean was thanked. Danny was thanked. But oh, no. there was no Julian thanked. Oh. There was no uh, McCartney kids thanked either. So I was like, oh, okay. I wonder what their involvement was compared to the other kids yeah. that weren't involved. Interesting. I, just, you know, I don't think Julian has much involvement in the estate issues. I think Sean's been so ingrained in it. I'd have to imagine Julian's just kind of like... You handle it. You do your because also Sean's going to deal with his mother as well, and she's in the film. So, and he and you know she and Julian have had their issues over the years. So, Sean kind of becomes the diplomatic person. Zach, I think, is he the youngest of the Starkey he's boys? The is there? A, he's the another boy after? I know there's a younger daughter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. there's Zach another. Is, there's Zach another is the boy oldest. Too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd be curious to know why he's the one, maybe, that's maybe, involved in I don't know. Maybe because, yeah, like you said, Jonathan, maybe it involves, like, both of his parents. I don't know, you know, Maureen. Um, with Sean, I think, because Yoko's health is not great right now, um, and I know that they were quarantining together during the pandemic. Like, he would talk about that on his Instagram and stuff. He was, like, caretaking for her. I'm sure he did a lot of the... Like back and forth business kind of thing with the film, yeah. I would imagine. You know, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's just that's so you just see if you try. try. I don't know. <laughs> One thing I don't think we brought up yet: that set list, the incomplete rooftop concert, mm-hmm. had so many more numbers on them. Partly from Abbey Road, what would become Abbey Road. What did you guys think about that set list and? Do you think it would have changed anything about the future had they debuted some of these other songs in public? Like songs even like Teddy Boy that didn't make it on a Beatles album. Yeah. Ever. Well, you're like you wrote Marrakesh and you're like, that was a complete song, you know? Like, And I know it's not a rocker or whatever, but yeah, same same idea. No, but you just wouldn't have heard them. You wouldn't have heard For You Blue if George had decided to play that. Teddy Boy would be like, what? What? Turn it up! You know, it's it's the same reason why there's no piano ballads up there. And you can't get the piano up there. Um, it's it. I think it's more of a practical reason more than anything. But like, if they um, going back to the Beatles rock band, in that they play, I want you, she's so heavy on the rooftop level. Like if if they'd have done that, like oh my god, the noise complaints would have come in even stronger as well. Just <laughs> bam, bam. Am I allowed to throw out another completely unrelated? Uh, Always, Ethan. You have carte blanche tonight. Thing. Um, Ethan's here. <laughs> I. Oh yeah, the timeline kind of would have worked out. What if? What if instead of Billy Preston, what if Graham Nash, fresh out of the Hollies, joined the Beatles? Think about that next time you're high. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ethan. Whoa, dude, like, what if Graham Nash? Ro- Road to Marrakesh Express. <laughs> Jesus. I do have just a, a, about a, a serious a question, and that is, can someone explain to me the timeline of George's mustache? Because 
He leaves the band with a little bit of scruff, but I believe he's shaved on that last day, if, if I remember correctly from episode one. And he comes back with a full mustache, and this is not making a lot of sense to me. Like, <laughs> Come on, four, Tommy. Five days later. What, what's Tommy, you fart Look, and you Tommy, get it. Tommy, whatever beer. you want me to grow, I'll do it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, he must have been a hair growing beast because, I mean, when was the Abbey Road pictures taken? He, like, he could have braided that beard point. that he had. There's nothing you can grow that can't be grown. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is scruff. Um, give, me, give me a second. Hang on. <laughs> Uh, no, let's move on quick before <laughs> Sam thinks of something. <laughs> nah, uh, for me, the biggest thing that I think that I've just been sort of like uh, uh, plowing over George Martin and all of this stuff is like uh, an album and all these things is the product of everyone who's been participating. And whether it's the tenseness in the room or whatever it is, like it's not just the Beatles. It's everyone who's touching it that's really impacted. And I thought that was really interesting to see. And even... Even Michael Lindsay Hogg has to deal with this, right? Like he's got a job to do and he's there with the Beatles sorting it out. And so his cut of let it be is also the emotional weight of having been in the mix of it. Like call it whatever you want. But uh, Peter Jackson gets the luxury of not having any of that, right? Who gets like a a surplus of footage and gets to make a a film, Mm -hmm. you know, but thinking about the white album, all this stuff, like I always give George Martin grief where he's like, I had to take a vacation. I had to do this and that, but like, of course you did. Like you're in the mix of it as much as anyone else. And so it's the environment that makes all of these all of these albums, whether the Beatles were getting along or not, or whatever we want to say about behind the scenes. And so, I really took that away from from seeing this a lot. You know, that was kind of my my wrap up on on, on Get Back. Yeah, I think that's a great point, man. And it, it 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 echoes a lot of what I'm feeling, which is, what if they just waited till after the Magic Christian? What would have happened, and how different would this have felt if you're not trying to cram this thing into three weeks? When people kind of can and can't do it, Jonathan, as you said, like John and Yoko are just coming off this traumatic thing. Ringo's rushing to something else. Um, George talks so many times about how, you know, the the doldrums of the Beatles, and that's where they've been the last 18 months. And the White Album is not that long before this, right? Like, it had just come out a week or two before they start. It came out in uh, these sessions. November 22nd. Okay, so a a month or two before, yeah, so... You know, and they're kicking these sessions right into gear. And like, what if they just gave a little more breathing room to the band to be themselves before they came back together? Like, I, you know, it's, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, I guess, but. Ringo was a changed man after the Magic Christian. <laughs> makes I, a lot of I, sense. I will provide no further comment. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza sellers. Does it have to do with his penis? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can we can, can we just talk about the no the, comment. the the moment when George is helping him with the octopus swan? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. that was the best mm. way to start I, that. I that love that. Part I really love that too. moment. That uh, George Harrison was like, "Oh, all right, if you do this or that, you know." And it also yeah. shows Ringo as a as an interesting musician in his own right that he's playing piano on some of this stuff. Like I think this mm-hmm. is glossed over the fact that he's contributed it all to this. Like he's he's almost bringing this to the band in the way the rest of them are bringing tunes. And then the George... He's almost a Beatle. (laughs) (laughs) And then George Martin comes over, and it's like the first thing you see George Martin get interested in in the whole show so far. He's like, oh, maybe we could do this or that. Well, he throws the backup vocals right in there, too. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I love that moment. It's crazy, though, how the Beatles 
like I saw mentioned earlier, that they aren't just these gods. And they, when talking about Get Back, they have, like, practical, normal conversations about how we're going to do this. How many solos and verse, chorus, verses are we going to have in this? What notes should we play here? I'm like, they can't just have these conversations. Paul said it was all magic and it all came together. My my world is crashing around yeah, me. But that- <laughs> see- Guys, I think you have another hit on your hands here. Yeah. The song about the octopus is Crackage Up. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so much more practical than I ever imagined it would be. I thought it was mostly just you know Lenin's saying they were all telepathic and stuff. It was like no no they had conversations and they talked it out very clinically and yeah. like professional musicians doing a job. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. and also like they well you know, Paul talks about nervousness and how they do their best when their backs are against the wall, like that kind of thing. And yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think a lot of us, I certainly do, especially at this point in their career, just think that they just did it and they felt like they were gods but they really like did not buy their own bullshit you can hear that the whole time especially when they're reading the articles and they're sort of like making fun of stuff and you know they are just guys you know i loved it when i think george martin told john like turn down his base and i was like the only person who could tell him that is probably you know george martin um but it's just i almost kind of disagree with you on that if i can interject because I feel no, like you can't disagree with me. What the hell, Jonathan? <laughs> what the heck, Jonathan? <laughs> not acceptable. Are you guys gonna let this happen? I was Did you not read? Yeah. Jonathan, this is uh, Allison from BC the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. right? oh Who do you think ranking you are? George, George Martin? You can just tell her to turn down her opinion. <laughs> ranking the Beatles, sit down. I was told by Sam that we're the darlings of the Beatles podcast. Heat is. <laughs> There's an industry. Wow, you know that. And we're not. And we're not invited. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're talking to the fourth most popular Beatle podcast host in Canada, <laughs> who is not currently recording a show. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I kept thinking about during this whole thing was like, they started this project with a deadline, with no idea what the fuck they were gonna do what songs they were going to play, what the actual end goal was. And that's like the biggest example of hubris I could think of. Like they were just like, it's just going to, it's going to work out. Like who does that? (laughs) Who hires a film crew, hires a a film, a a film studio, like all this stuff. is just like, guys, no one thought to like make a checklist or like, what are like, what is the goal? Is everyone on board for the goal? (laughs) Yeah, they're I used to fucking. Like, did we not talk about this beforehand. Like that was kind of my overarching thought is like, no one signed off on on any of this, and it's like there was no conversation, and that kept driving me crazy as someone who's like been a band leader in different forms. Like there was no like, are we all on board for this? Do we all want to do yeah. this? Okay, what, what are we what are we making? This is the thing. Cool. Okay, here's how we'll do it. It was just like. We're going to show up and do a thing for a month. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, they were, let, let's play Blue Suede Shoes for a bit. <laughs> right. They they were spoiled brats. Like, <laughs> I'm not to be rude or whatever, but like anything they wanted, they got. Yeah. Everyone's bowing at their, you know, they're looking back at the cops like, oh, we're so badass. It's like, <laughs> like, come on. Well, like, let's, really? Let's like, honest, if you I were mean, nobodies, I'm, you'd get your ass beat. You'd be all fucked up right now. Like, <laughs> When the cops you're you're so home. privileged, like I don't know, like I got a little bit of that where they were very spoiled. Anything you ask for, mm-hmm. and it's just too easy for them. 
Yeah. I think that, that I mean, that, I think that, that speaks also to to Brian's death again, though, and their lack of a leader. And, you know, there should be somebody who's doing this. And you should never contract a film director who isn't, you don't have an agreement about what you film you're fucking making before you actually start shooting. Right. But why they didn't they, think about it. Why'd they bring in the guy who, like, made their videos for Top of the Pops <laughs> and not, yeah. like, people who actually made documentaries about them, like the Maisel brothers? Yeah, that's... But also, I mean, that, you could apply that, Ethan, to like, why did they bring in Peter Jackson to fix this, you know, or to release this to the public? I think that's always like this interesting decision, right? Like, you, you, we're not respecting Peter Jackson because of his documentary work, you know? So, um, I don't know. Why is the sky blue? <laughs> it's all for money, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. Th- this like, is the Beatle industry. I, I thought it was because it makes me cry, but that's. <laughs> No, Sam, this are, is all uh, for money. Have, really. have British police or uh, what do you call them? You call them bobbies? Have they got any more intimidating? We call them pigs, seven- man. We call them pigs. That's that seventeen-year-old boy yes. they send to Apple to no, be like, no. Can you uh, turn this down? You know? And why are there chin straps <laughs> across yeah. the front of their yeah. chins? <laughs> they gotta like lick them off. Of yeah, he's yeah. just like chewing on. How it. is that like holding your hat on? <laughs> So it's still a law here in the UK that if a pregnant woman needs to urinate publicly, she can ask a policeman to use his helmet. Really? What? That's actually a thing. It may have been repealed, but like that was a law here in the UK. So no, no wonder they've always got a bad look on their face. But they (laughs) they do send a couple of ten year olds to go break this up. Excuse me, Mr. Black Everest, could you turn it down, please? Yeah, sure. I'll just wait here. If it's like an American (laughs) cop, the receptionist would be killed. She'd be shot dead. (laughs) They would have kicked the door down. They would have, you know, it would have been a massacre at Apple Studios. But, you know, oh my. It it, it doesn't make Apple Studios. I also like that it takes him like 90 minutes to realize they're on the roof. He's like, I thought recording studios were soundproofed. (laughs) And then she goes, don't go on the roof because it'll fall in. Okay, I'll believe yeah. you. Like, you yeah, there's too many idiots. people up there. Duh. was to build this super inconspicuous box. Oh yeah, that everyone recognizes when they walk in. Yeah. Thing, you know, so the camera can. Who's and also who's the who's the one in the box filming? Yeah, That's yeah, for real. They missed the whole show. Magic Alex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone who got a bonus that Christmas, definitely. AI. How, I mean, uh, I guess I don't have a sense and they don't really show, but how loud can they really be playing? Like, I did not see an epic PA or anything like that. Clearly, no. people are disturbed by it, but like, it's not it like they're playing. It from my sleep, and I'm not <laughs> happy about it. Yeah, why was that woman sleeping at this time? Like, that's uh, that <laughs> be a Like, it wasn't a normal time to be sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> These Monty Python pepper pots. Yeah. The- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, Guys, I love how many old a... people. Um, <laughs> there, there were so many older people that seemed to love the Beatles back then, which was really quite like refreshing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're a good bunch of lads. Uh, <laughs> my kids, by the records, yeah. <laughs> I thought the hero of the whole piece was that one cab driver. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, 
I'd like to hear from that policeman yeah. now. Yeah. I wonder Small if this followed him. I read that uh, Peter Jackson interviewed now. them. He said that he went and spoke with all of them, but I don't know what that meant for the purpose of the podcast, or for the, not for the documentary, but can, I guess he can did. Can I dox you on the documentary? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that's all bonus fitted. I, I would love to hear, I'd love to see interviews with those officers. Yes. Uh, Jimmy the doorman, Debbie the receptionist, I want to hear like their recountings of the day. I would love right. to hear that. This is a talking head shit we want. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah, that's but what I want. I something need, separate, like you said. I like need a Questlove. Like I love Questlove. I don't need Questlove or Dave Grohl no. or any of them people. Like, give me those people. Why did yeah. it seem like you could just? What about David Byrne? You could just walk into the Apple offices. Then everyone is just like opening the door. Like you could just go up the but stairs they knocked. and open the, cops the door. Fucking knock still. Yeah, they're like oh, no. knock, knock, knock. Come in. <laughs> there are those girls that enter the Apple uh, studios the and they walk past. Uh, uh, yeah, and like John just walks past them. All like this is so pre nine eleven. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Was, was that a subtitle? <laughs> I believe in, in like the English This is the recording. <laughs> like, this is the recording that appeared on Let It Be. It's, this is a post, this is a pre-9-11 world. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of hubris, how about how George just leaves his car parked out there? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He locks everything up. Right? Yeah. That's Apple that moment, right? Money, but you know he ain't paying that parking ticket. Every <laughs> Baby, you can drive my car. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> took took you half an hour, Sam. Yeah. Uh, that joke that note, was hell I mean, on wheels. Uh, yeah. I know we could talk about this forever, and yeah. we all have venues to to do that, which I think is great. But um, do we feel Some like of we us already have get back tonight? Like. I got back to it. I, any <laughs> final comments? Anything we need to say on this documentary? It's all right. Well, before we go, everyone, um, <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with, with all that said, uh, I would love it if everyone could go around and kind of say where people can find your pods or, or you all on social as, uh, you know, this will be on the Blotto Beatles feed mm-hmm. at, at the very least. Um, and so, as people know, I hope you can find us at Blotto Beatles on all socials. And, and please download the Blotto Beatles podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Allison and Erica, where can people find BC the Beatles? We are at BC the Beatles everywhere. If you want to follow me personally, I'm at, at Beetle Peedle on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and uh, I guess what Erica said, re our podcast, but I am a Jobo a go go. And uh, that's very complicated, but if you search A J O B O, probably come up everywhere. Sam, what about in the world of Paul or Nothing? Uh, you can find me by typing in two links. Uh, no, 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 not two links. Uh, you can find me by uh, Paul or Nothing, uh, Paul McCartney Pod at gmail.com, at McCartney Pod on Twitter, and check out Mac It in Your Attic on YouTube as well. I'm trying to plug that as well. Hey. Ethan Alexanian, how about you? Um, I'll, I'll plug Mac It in Your Attic because I you was work. on it yeah. and I, I, I get money out of it occasionally. <laughs> Ethan does the okay. thumbnails. They are excellent. They are. So George. Uh, yeah, I, I, I used to do a podcast. I may do it again. I'll probably do it again. Uh, fans on the there run. It's, you can find it places. Uh, I'm currently working on a book about the Let It Be sessions. It's, right it's told in a wow. first person narrative 
uh, perspective from, do you guys remember the fly on the wall yes. disc from Let It Be Naked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's from the perspective of the fly. <laughs> and he's flying around Apple and he's on Matt Levin's head. And it's, it's I, I've already got a publishing oh, yeah. deal. It's going to you know, steal. It, it's going to outsell the McCartney lyrics book. <laughs> Dude, I love <laughs> it. I do too. That's awesome. I'm going to buy it. And we're going to have Ethan back real quick, real soon because we have a lost episode with him where yes. he was drinking uh, spiked snapples, which we don't know anything about <laughs> in the United States. Um, but stay tuned for more of that. Yeah. And last but not least, our, uh, our OG pod pals, Jonathan and Julia. What's up with you guys? Goodness. You can find uh, everything we do at rankingthebeatles.com on all your uh, podcast providers. And on social media, we're on Facebook at Ranking the Beatles, Instagram at Ranking the Beatles, and Twitter <laughs> at Ranking Beatles. Because they have a character limit like a bunch of dicks. But yeah, oh. um, like a bunch, of, ri- a bunch, a bunch of, of Ringo, a couple of Ringo stars. <laughs> <laughs> we That's how we measure everything in the Beatles podcast world. Quickly getting banned from all social media. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Thank you I'll for just wanna, hanging I'll with just, us. I just wanted a bit. I just farted. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> <laughs> but after October 24th, no more farting. Well, this seems like a great place. Uh, I'm farting with peace and love. It does seem peace and love. like a great place to leave off for all of us. And I think together we could probably all say, I think we probably all end our podcast this way. Am I right? Peace and love, everyone. This was a blast. Peace it was love. awesome to have Peace you. I, 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 I do not end my podcast that way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't speak for me. What about... <laughs>